All right. Here we go, buddy. Round three. How you been? <laughs> is, that, is this the third one? It could it could even be the fourth. I don't know. I mean, you know, we were, we were talking years before, you know, you blew up on social media. It's been a while. How you been? Yeah, man? time flies when you're having fun, eh? Yeah, is that what you call it? Do you think it's been fun? There's certainly been real world repercussions for my fun. I can't deny that. Yeah. Uh, there's certainly been um, attempts to damage my reality but all in all it's been pretty fun yeah i think that to some degree conquest and war and competition is fun and i think that we are in competition with the mainstream narrative the matrix as i like to call it yeah. and i feel like we're winning we're starting to gain some ground so yeah i'd call it fun why not you know they say iron sharpens iron right you know it's gonna you know what doesn't kill you is only gonna make you stronger and it seems like i mean you did all right man they you know they tried to cancel you and take you off all the platforms and i still see you everywhere to this yeah. day on every they platform failed. yeah the cancellation certainly failed I, I would like to believe and i don't want to sound arrogant but i think i'm one of the first people if not the first that it totally failed on because they came at me completely they didn't come at me with some half lazy cancellation yeah. they deleted me from it was full alex jones level deleted me from every single application on on my phone froze my bank accounts like completely tried to wreck me financially lied about me in all the mainstream news from CNN to Fox News to all the British tabloids everywhere lying about me. They really went for me completely and and it and it didn't work. So that's kind of uh, interesting for them to see their own weapon fail. I just don't know how they're going to handle that. Yeah, it, it's like, I mean, who have we seen canceled? Uh, Alex Jones, Milo Yiannopoulos. Um, there's quite a few Trump. that I've seen, you know, Trump, you know, there's quite a few that I've seen deplatform, but you somehow managed to continue to put out content and messages and get on pod i mean like the podcasts that you've been on have been off the chart i mean i um to this day one of my favorite ones is the um your mom's house podcast and i told you this after you you finished it i think you have a knack for comedy and it's probably one of the untapped uh you know tools that i think you're probably gonna lean into a little bit more because you're because you're fucking hilarious dude like you're a funny guy thanks bro and i i, I do my best uh yeah to use it when it needs to be used to get the message across. But yeah, you're, it's interesting you say that because they, the people who've been canceled at my level, there's only four or five of them. I think I'm the fifth. And yeah, I'm the last one who's managed to stay all over the social networks. But the problem is that comes with its own issues, right? Because when the matrix cancels you, you have it goes in three stages. First, they try and shut you up. If that fails, they try and put you in jail for something you didn't do. And if that fails, they kill you, right? So slowly we're moving on to stage two They've attempted already uh, to, to raise some bullshit. Like in the height of the cancellation, when they were lying about me all over the news, they were calling up reporters, whoever these reporters are, managed to find details of my ex-girlfriends and were calling up ex-girlfriends saying, do you have anything bad to say about Andrew Tate? We'll pay you 100,000 pounds for a story, which is effectively a bribe, right? You're yeah. effectively bribing them 100,000 pounds to say bad things about me, trying to raise... Because their, their biggest problem with their cancellation is that I'm somehow dangerous to women, but there's not a single victim or a single woman who's come forward. In fact, every woman who's come forward is saying the opposite. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of hot girls coming forward saying Tate's a nice guy. So they're like, oh, shit, we need a victim here. So they were trying to buy victims, and that failed. All my Even my exes stuck by me, which actually surprised even me. Because I think if you ask any man, if they were to contact your last 20 exes, would they stick by you for 100 grand? And most of the time, it's no. So that failed. And now, and now they're looking at new avenues. There's legal letters starting to come through for a bunch of garbage. So now they're going to try and 
get me in trouble with the law for things I haven't done mm. because they because because I failed to be. It, it happened in Canada. You know this very well. They couldn't get the truckers to go home, so all of a sudden they're all getting in legal trouble, right? All of a sudden they're getting tax audited and this craziness and that craziness. It's what they do. They weaponize the law against you, and they're going to try that one next. So well, the matrix what sort of legal strategies are they system. coming at you with? So yeah, they're going to. I started getting legal letters now for strange things, revisions of tax returns, which is fine. I'm, I'm completely legit there. Uh, speeding bullshit, driving license infringements, uh, car tax thing, like stupid, tiny, dumb shit is all starting to come through at once. Someone mm. has looked at me or is looking at me in multiple countries and just trying to find anything they can nitpick at to send me a letter for to get me in trouble for. And it's it's a message. It's a warning. It's a warning that... Everyone is guilty if we want them to be guilty. We've told you to be quiet. You're not being quiet, so you're going to have to pay the price. And I think that's their next attempt on me is going to be a legal attempt. But the problem is all of this is a PR war. This is what most people don't understand about the world. It's all a PR spin. Even if you look at America, America start all the world's wars, right? But it's not because they're so good at waging war. Obviously, that's part of it. They don't start to lose. But it's also because they're very good at controlling the narrative and psyoping people into believing these wars are necessary. And that's what they do. When they canceled me, they really tried hard to convince the population that I'm dangerous and I deserve it. And that failed. But even if they were to get me in some kind of legal trouble, they're going to try again with the media machine. Andrew Tate, well-known misogynist, thief, whatever they're going to say. And they're going to try and convince the world of it. And I think that the problem they're starting to come up against is that people don't believe them when it comes to me because everyone knows that what they did to me was unfair. And as soon as they say my name, they just think they're lying about him. That's bullshit. And that's the problem they're facing. One of the things I find hilarious is is the narrative that you're a misogynist, right? Because you'll see these street interviews. You've probably seen them as well, where guys will take your content and, and like read a line and be like, okay, well, this person said this. So what do you think of it? And then the girls will be like, oh yeah, I really like that kind of guy. So, and then they'll say, well, that's Andrew Tate. So what do you think? Oh no, he's a misogynist. And then he'll continue on and say, well, can you define a misogynist? And they can't. They're just like, no, I don't like him because, because the narrative, because the mainstream media, you know, because, you know, the matrix told me not to like him sort of thing. So it's, it's funny how people just sort of conform to what they're told to sort of like lean into, like Andrew Tate, bad man, man with Cobra wrapped around his arm, bad man. Right. And you know what? And, and what's, and what's crazy about it is this, what's crazy is these people who dislike me have a emotional response. It's not even a logical response. If you ask them about me, they go, no, I hate him. Hate is an emotion, right? They feel something. And what actually is quite interesting to me is, that the matrix itself is convincing people to have feelings, to have emotions for reasons they do not themselves understand. They can't explain what misogynist is. They can't say anything I've said. They don't know why they're supposed to dislike me, but they still have a strong emotional response. And this is, goes to show the power of the programming. If the matrix can convince you to feel hate, which is a very visceral, very strong emotion for somebody, and you don't even know why, that shows how completely and utterly programmed you are. And most people are walking through the world programmable to this degree. And this is how you have the world's worst things, the worst things in history that have ever happened, happening because people are convinced to hate somebody or something or some group. They don't even truly know why. There's no logical reasoning, but the programming's been installed. And these people are slaves. They're slave-minded because if they fought for themselves, they'd realize they have no reason to dislike me. And, and the whole misogynistic bullshit, because it is bullshit, 
is it was only it wasn't because of anything I said. It was purely because of the influence I had because I was large and because I was a masculine man who said, don't take shit. They were just looking for an attack angle and it was a weaponized virtue. I think they were trying to look for a reason to get rid of me, mm. but it's completely clown world. It's insane. Yeah. Um, so anti-fragility, you're familiar with the concept? Yep. So you're very anti-fragile um, in an environment like this. I know that you set yourself up to, to sort of be that way before the shit sort of hit the proverbial fan where you have multiple passports, multiple driver's license, you're, you know, diversified. You don't hold much in your name as far as real estate and stuff like that. Did that, did that play a significant role when they came at you to, de to take you down to deplatform you? Like how, like how robust was that system for you? Cause it seems like it was pretty good. Yeah, from like absolutely. And completely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And completely. So my system, obviously we're, we're live on the internet, so I'll be careful what I say, but my system has been flawless and that's because it's designed to be. And I've always understood to a degree that the matrix is going to come for me and attack me. And I'm very thankful I was as paranoid as I was because there's times where I put in a whole bunch of money, a bunch of time, a bunch of effort into organizing certain things and people didn't truly understand why I did it. But anything that was remaining in my name in a Western country was destroyed. Hmm. So I had any bank account in my name was frozen. Millions of dollars were seized. If I had any property in my name, I'm sure it would be trouble all around it. Um, any companies that were in my name were are under investigation. So everything that is remaining, all the things that are remaining are things that I protected specifically. And you protect things very simply. I'll make it very clear to the internet how you protect yourself against the matrix. You do it in, in a few simple steps. The, the first step is to make sure you have as little as possible in your personal name. That's the first thing. They can be owned by entities or companies or people you trust completely, which of course is rare, or trusts. That's the first way. The second way you do it is you try and spread it across multiple jurisdictions because even the police, they are still human and there's still law that they must follow, even though I think they're criminals and they break as many laws as they can. They can break the laws of their own country relatively easily, the police, but they can't break the laws of foreign nations very easily. So let's say you had a LLC or a company in Canada, let's say Canada. Instead of owning that Canadian company, you should get a company in Singapore to own that Canadian company. And then that company in Singapore should be owned by a trust in the Cook Islands, which is then owned by an entity in Vanuatu off the coast of Australia. So now for them to get to the bottom of it, they have to talk to five or six different governments, some of which are very small, inept, lazy, slow to reply, backlogged. And it makes it extremely difficult for them to get the bottom of anything. And this is why the rich do what they do. This is why they deal with all these weird South American countries and Panama papers and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Because by adding all those layers of jurisdiction, it becomes nearly impossible for one entity to penetrate. And the third thing you can do to make yourself anti-fragile, which I've done, is you need to penetrate the non-English speaking world. So in my example, if I were to go to any kind of payment processor, for example, they'd type my name in and Google me or Google anything to do with me and say, no, he's bad news. There's bad English speaking press about him. No. But if I were to get a payment processor that is primarily Chinese based out of Singapore, they don't care. Why would they care? That I'm not in their sphere. They don't give a shit. So, or an Arab based, let's say here in the Arab world. So you have to also escape the English speaking world and find ways to get your things done in different jurisdictions as such. And that makes you anti-fragile. And that anti-fragility has worked perfectly for me. Like they've yet to actually damage me. They think they have, 
but they've yet to actually damage me. I'll tell you a very funny story. Mm. And in the height of the cancellation, they, they decided to do a Daily Mail piece on me, a huge hit piece. And the hit piece was that they looked up my name and they could see that I had a few outpaid, not paid parking bills and stuff. I had like $1,000 of unpaid debts of parking bills. And it was registered to my mother's old address where she used to live, which is obviously in a very poor area. And uh, my, I, I had no credit cards, nothing. So they did this whole report on me and they said, the whole expose is that I'm not really a millionaire, right? And it was, he owes money and he's registered to this terrible address and uh, <laughs> we can't find any assets in his name. He's a brokey. And they contacted my PR company before they released it for a statement. And, and my statement was, Absolutely amazing detective work. I'm sure you understand that all rich people complete, uh, hold everything completely in their names. The Bugatti I'm driving is fake and the private jets I am are, I'm on are fake. Please print this story. Mm. And when I replied that, they didn't even print the story because mm. I think they realized that everyone's going to laugh at them. But they, they tried very hard to find out what I own and where it is, et cetera. And the only way you can protect it is to hide it. You shouldn't have to do these things, right? Yeah. But you do. This is what people don't understand. People no, call me paranoid. You, if you're just going to buy a house and keep it in your name and say, I own this house, you're going to learn very quickly you don't own a fucking thing when you annoy the government. You you have to hide behind layers. It's unfortunate, but it's the game. Have they have they harassed your mom, your sister, like other members of your family? They have. Yeah? Yep, absolutely. They doxed yeah. my mom, my sister. They tried to dox addresses, hassling them for interviews. And they're just trying to put pressure on you. They're trying to put pressure on you, hoping you will crack, right? Yeah. But I'm a consummate professional. The biggest, the, the, the best move I made in all of this, where they totally underestimated me, is I predicted this was going to come and I leveraged myself against it. So when I knew they were going to cancel me, I kept saying, the cancellation's coming any minute now. When they cancel me, they're going to lie. This is what they're going to do. And I kept saying it so that when they did it all, they just gave me mass credibility. They made me look like an oracle. And that's the, and I was an oracle. I mean, I knew it was coming. Yeah. But I didn't sit there and say, please don't cancel me. I said, this is what they're going to do. Here's how it's going to work. It's all a trick. And when they do it to me, no, it's a lie. And then when they did it, obviously, they galvanized my viewers into believing in me even more because I predicted the future. So I was leveraged very heavily against it. But the way it happened was quite scary. I can tell you right now, Richard, if you're ever going to get canceled, I can tell you how to know. Because because a few things happen about a week in advance. All right. You know you're fucked. Let me know. Should I tell you? Fill me in. Right. So the first thing they have to do is control the narrative. They have to make sure that because a bunch of people, when you get canceled, are going to hear your name for the first time. You, me, anyone. Right. Mm -hmm. They have to make sure that when the people hear the name for the first time, those people believe you are bad and you are evil. So they have to paint a narrative about you. So I woke up one day. And 150 different Instagram pages of LGBTQ plus that influence. 150 different pages did a post about me with a caption, which was basically the same or slightly rewritten across 150 different pages on the same day. Bang. An organized attack mm. from somebody. And I was like, okay, that's, that's strange. Then about three days later, every teacher's union from Norway to Australia, to the UK, to America, teachers unions were coming out saying that young boys aren't listening in school anymore because they keep asking the teacher what color their Brigatti is. Which I found <laughs> <quite funny. laughs> so, so then amazing. the teachers unions came for me. 
But the fact that they all come in absolute succinct, if you ever have like one post that gets a bunch of traction on you, no big deal. But if it's happening in absolute succinctity with other posts, then someone is behind it and the person behind it has the power to cancel you. So there was about five days in a row of orchestrated hits mm. and then the cancellation. So they're trying to paint the narrative. Yeah, like I don't think people understand how how much control um, you know these 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 powers that be, the matrix, whatever it is that you know we want to call it, have over information. Like even even the Twitter files that were just released by Elon Musk, you know, with what went on with Twitter during the last election, and you're only starting to see like the tip of the iceberg. Like there's more and more coming from that, and that I mean, some would argue that that was information suppression. Some would even say that it, um, you know manipulated the outcome of the actual election but they have a lot more control and they've and they've been exerting this control for a long time and you're the first person that i've seen that's realistically set up and said hey you know if you're going to shit on me fine i'm just going to keep speaking the truth so let's go and that and that's worked for you it's worked very well because it's giving you a platform and some interesting uh shows right it has it certainly worked for me very very well i think that i am fortunate to a degree I feel like I I was doing it at the right time because now the the matrix I believe is starting to crack like like you said with what Elon's doing for example oh, after God. this yeah after this scandemic no one believes in the news anymore I feel like I'm doing it at the right time and the reason I say right time is not because I'm being so successful with it but also because doing it at the right time affords some protection so if I was doing this a few years earlier when there was no other uh, holes in the ship, they would be trying much harder to put a bullet in my head. But the fact that they have so many problems now, like Elon's telling the truth, a whole bunch of people are telling the truth. It's getting diff more and more difficult for them to wrap it up. You can make one person be quiet, but you can't make thousands be quiet. And that's why I say now is the time for everyone to speak up because it's the safest time ever to do so if, 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 if safety was a concern. But yeah, it's certainly working out well for me. I mean. I, I've moved platforms. Obviously, I've moved over from YouTube to Rumble now, mm. and I'm doing very well there. I've been very successful on Rumble, uh, so that's I can't complain. Uh, they, the, the CEO of Rumble, Chris, is a true patriot. He's a hero, and he came to me in the cancellation and said, "You can say whatever you want. Don't care." Chris is a Canadian a from Toronto, people, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, man, he's an awesome guy, really good guy. Mm. Uh, he's Canadian, and um, but he's he's certainly for the cause. And lots of other people are, are moving over to Rumble now as well because they're understanding that. It's a matter of time until YouTube cuck out on basically every channel. Yeah. Uh, so I've been good there. Now I'm obviously back on Twitter. Uh, Meta have not given me anything back yet, but there's already talk about me being replaced. Uh, sorry, being uh, reinstated on Instagram. So they're looking to put me back. And I've kind of, I wouldn't want to say I've beaten the cancellation, but I, the, the, the negative effects are slowly wearing off. The, vis the visual negative effects. Once I beat all this imaginary garbage court cases that are going to come, then all in all, it's been a it's been a positive for me and for my brand. But yeah, it was also a necessary. It had to be done because there's. It, it, I knew that the matrix only needed a crack. Everyone was pissed off with them for a very long time. Someone mm -hmm. just had to put a crack in the dam, and the pressure would do the rest. And I feel like one of the cracks that was missing is for somebody to show that being canceled doesn't work. And if you can show that, then people stop being afraid of their weapon, and then their weapon becomes less effective, and everybody will speak and and will win in the end. So. Divine timing, perhaps. Yeah, another question for you. I've noticed you've done a lot of really uh, popular podcasts, and it seems like a lot of the ones that are Western-based, like in um, America, seem to come to you now in Europe. Is there a reason why you haven't traveled to the U.S.? Yeah, I won't. I won't go to the USA ever again. 
okay. for the rest of my life. I won't, yeah. I will never travel to America ever again for the rest of my life. I feel like it's the seat of a lot of the problems in the world. I feel like it's the seat of this culture that is genuinely detrimental to the hearts and minds of humanity. Uh, the Iranians call America the, the big evil, right? But I don't want to go that far. But a lot of the problems certainly stem from there. And I feel like a trip to America, although it could be fantastic for work, I could do a bunch of podcasts, I could meet a bunch of people, I could be famous, etc. Mm-hmm. There has to also become a point where you realize or understand what you're doing it for. And I feel like I'm getting my message across just perfectly fine from here. And I'm not interested in the vanity of hanging around with a bunch of A-listers. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. So uh, for that reason, I don't see the point in taking the risks. Because I feel like there would be a risk for me to go to America right now. I feel like for some reason it feels risky. I don't know why. How has the fame changed things for you? Because, I mean, you weren't, I mean, you had great reach on YouTube. You had some interesting, you know, takes on things. And I think they, I mean, dude, there's a lot of stuff that you said that's like really pushed some buttons for people and, you know, gotten gotten some great attention. I think of, you know, drawn a lot of awareness on things like, for example, like depression, you know. Yeah. Um, but you've become super famous now as a result of those takes and i mean for me like i like doing the online stuff like i'm not a big fan of well flying let's do a podcast over here in my studio like i'm good like i like doing my stuff online i don't yeah. i don't really like it when i run into people in public and they're like hey rich you know because they have this relationship with you you know like they know you because they've watched your stuff and they know you and they want to talk to you and they seem to know everything about your life and they're like whoa you know settle down like we barely know each other here like cool your jet sort of thing like how's that been yeah. for you because because you're fame is blown up it's massive like everybody knows about you like every every 14 year old boy right now knows who andrew tate is there's not one i don't think on the planet maybe maybe if there's some rural area in the deepest darkest parts of africa sort of thing they don't have access to the internet but everybody knows you how has that changed for you yeah you nailed it right there where they feel like they know you very well because they've watched all your stuff but of course it's the first time you've seen their face right so it is a bit strange when they're trying to like give you a hug and stuff and you're like bro whoa whoa chill um, it depends. It, like in, in Western countries, I, I absolutely hate it. I hate being recognized. I, it's a security concern. Mm. I don't like when groups of people get around me. I don't like being swarmed. I don't like when people I don't know run at me. Like if I'm in London and someone spots me and starts running across the street, I start thinking, fuck, should I be running? Like, are they going to kill me? Like, so yeah. I don't, that element of it is certainly uncomfortable. Uh, I try, I try my very best to, you know, try and help people out and, and take a picture and say hi and be nice. But unfortunately, the second you take a picture with one person or you talk to one person, other people around notice and a line forms and it kind of gets, it kind of gets crazy. So yeah, the, life needs a lot more planning. Like I can't just go to the mall. I have to choose a day. I'm going to go to the mall, get a security team, go early in the morning, organize a driver. Like, like even simple things like going to the mall becomes an event, a day. I have to organize it all. So that that's part of it. And, and also I'll notice when I've analyzed myself, you do become a lot more reclusive, not just because you want to hide from people, but I think a lot of the reason that people go out in general is to kind of be like seen about town, if that makes sense. Like you go out just to be noticed, you go to the nice restaurant or the big club to be the guy in the club. But once you get to a certain level of fame where you can just make a tweet and get 10,000 retweets, no matter what it is, even if it's something stupid, like it kind of satisfies your need for validation and attention almost as a human. So you kind of just want to stay home. more. I don't know why I, I, since I got famous, I've been, I've been out a lot less. It's, I don't know why I'm not interested in going out and I can't pinpoint exactly why that is, but yeah, there's good and bad. I mean, it's bad for, I'd actually say it's bad for chicks because 
you, you can't talk to girls like you used to. I can't message girls like I used to. Anything mm -hmm. might leak. So it's, that's kind of weird. So it changes a lot about life, but I, I don't, I'm not going to complain about it. I guess it comes to the te territory, but I'm trying to think of some things I enjoy about it. There's been a couple cool things. I got to meet a couple of my heroes. I was hanging out with Steven Seagal last week. He's a cool yeah, guy. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. 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 He's, he's a oh, legend. Steven. Bro, Steven is, Steve, they say never meet your heroes, but you should meet Steven Seagal. He's cool. Total, total legend. He is based. He knows everything yeah. about the uh the, the cuck woke culture america collapsing the truth about all these wars everything the truth about the covid all mm. the things i've been saying about the matrix he knows all of it completely head to toe the guy's a legend he knows everything so when i was sitting with him and he was so ridiculously based he obviously he left he left the west he, he's done a one more extreme than me and i've left the west for the middle east he's left the west completely and gone to russia so he's he's moved he lives in russia now Oh, really? So, That's um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, he lives in Russia now because uh, he likes Christian values and hot girls and no dumb shit. So uh, I guess it kind of makes sense. So he's he's fully on Team Russia now. And he's like, you need to come and he was trying to call Putin when I was sitting with him. I was like, bro, that's what. Listen, they already hate me. That's one step too far. Let's just chill for a second. Yeah. But um, yeah. So Steven Seagal was good to me. And then you meet a few other famous people. But a lot of them are vapious. A lot of famous people have nothing interesting about them, nothing interesting to say, especially if they're famous for some, like we're known for what we say, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of famous people aren't known for what they say. They're known for either playing a character or something. So when you meet them in real life, they, they have nothing to say. They're actors. They're like script readers. Them, you know? Yeah. They're just empty. Yeah. So a lot of them are just kind of like me. It's, it's kind of boring. So, but all in all, there's a few good things, but yeah, the fame certainly affects your life, but you have to be very careful with like private messages phones, uh, pictures, all that. Mm. Like I buy a new phone every week now. Maybe I'm getting paranoid, but it's these kind of things that, that get most scary. Uh, I don't have a very large like following on, on, on some social media platforms. Like my Instagram got, got swatted or taken down about a year ago and I had to start over new, but in the last five or six months, I get a lot of DMS from like suspicious type of accounts with bizarre messages. And I like, I just don't engage any of it. It's just, it's just weird. Like I don't, I don't want to get dragged into bullshit. Um, Kind of like pivoting and switching gears a little bit. So what? So one of the questions guys wanted me to ask you is when you're going to end Jake Paul's fake boxing career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good question. You know what? When I first called out Jake Paul, it was three, four years ago, I think. I called him out. And uh, three, four years ago, I wanted to fight him. That's when he made his video about Conor McGregor. But three or four years is a very long time. And it's kind of like... Now we, there was negotiations ongoing. We're trying to organize everything, but there's a whole bunch of complications. The fact I won't go to America, uh, the fact that who's the A side, who's the B side, there's a whole bunch of complications and things involved. And then also you have to sit and analyze and realize, I mean, I've been to a lot of these YouTube boxing matches. Jake is the only one of all these YouTube boxers who I actually believe is taking it seriously. The rest of them are all fucking clowns. Mm -hmm. It's amateur, it's clown show, it's bullshit. A lot of it's below me besides Jake. Jake would be the only one who's not actually below me. And I'd have to train properly to make sure I win. I'd have to train six months and, and take it very seriously. But there's a whole bunch of legality behind the scenes. It's not as simple as people think it is because there's no way that, you know, Jake and I are ever going to fight unless we're at least earning equal money. There's no way no anyone's going to walk away with more money than me. So who owns a percentage of the promotion company it's under? Who owns like that? It's so many complicated elements. So it's hard to give a simple answer. But um, we'll see what happens. But Jake, I, Jake is actually, I've met Jake. Jake is all right. 
It's Logan I don't like. Jake is actually okay. Logan would be the one who I have a personal problem with. Mm. Jake is smarter of the two brothers. And, and, and their dynamic is slightly different than me and Tristan. I don't think they're that close after all. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how the negotiations go on. That's the boring answer I keep giving, but it's unfortunately it's the truth. Speaking of the <clears throat> close relationship you have with Tristan, um, I've got two younger brothers. Actually, my youngest brother's name is Andrew too, as well. Um, we're we're pretty tight, but not but not close like you are with Tristan. Like you guys have a pretty interesting bond. Um, yeah. I'm I'm somewhat envious of the relationship you know you have with Tristan he seems like a genuinely nice guy like whenever I've interacted with him like I've had him on for a podcast I remember one year he even sent me a like a random DM uh just around New Year's and um we weren't speaking a lot but we followed each other on Instagram and he said something along the lines of hey you know Rich you know you um you know what you've been doing has been appreciated thank you uh, you know you're a genuinely good guy and you know all the best for the New Year sort of thing he didn't have to do that like I'm sure he had better things to do on New Year's Eve right it's not even top of mind for me so your your friendship and your brotherhood that you've got with Tristan, how did, like, was it always that way? Was it something that you had to manufacture? Did you guys have to work on it? Like, how did you guys yeah, build that? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and, and yeah, so for me, because we've always, we've kind of always been this way, not, not as much as we are now, but we've kind of always been this way. So something that even, you know, I take for granted a little bit, but I've looked at it very carefully myself and even tried to work out why we've, we work so fantastically. And I think it's just a matter of prioritizing it. And the truth is with most groups of brothers in the world, doesn't matter where they are, especially in the Western world, the brotherhood element gets, it falls behind quite a few different things. Right. And one of them is women. One of them is females. That's a nice, easy one for me to commentate on. But if you take, let's take, you take two normal brothers, not me and Tristan, but you take two normal brothers. They both get girlfriends. The girlfriends, you go and live with your girlfriend. Now you're living, there's two different guys living in two different houses, sacked up with a chick. One of them might get married to one girlfriend. One of them, you know, gets engaged to the other. And you end up building these very separate lives with the woman, which is fine. That's what the woman wants. And that's how you end up doing it. But me and Tristan just never allowed that to happen. It's always been me and Tristan live together. We want to live together. Uh, the house is big enough. You know, if we have girlfriends, they end up being friends. That's fine. But we never separated to go down the route of with girls. And uh, we've kind of always had this element, even simple, very simple things. I'll give you an example. If me and Tristan and two girlfriends, let's say four of us go, we, we jump on the jet and we go on holiday. When we get off the jet, if there's two S classes waiting for us, me and Tristan will get an S class to talk man shit. And the two girls will get an S class to talk girl shit. It's not two couples. We, we've never been that way. Like me and him, have, it's always kind of been a separation of men and women. Same thing in like, if it's me, my brother and a few others, and then all our girlfriends are around, if there's two tables to eat on, the men sit on one table, the girls are on another table. It's just kind of how the dynamic of our life is. And that means you prioritize the brotherhood, brotherhood. because otherwise you get dragged into the, the traditional route, you know, with a woman and yeah, the feminine, I feel like stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the problem is with a woman is, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, be called a misogynist. I'm not trying to get canceled again. But the truth is most women don't want you having too close a relationship with your brother because it makes you, one, resilient to her bullshit. Mm -hmm. Two, you're going to end up with your brother out, you know, partying, whatever, shit she doesn't like. Like, they're, they're going to try very subtly to be like, oh, you're always with him. Spend time with me, et cetera. And you just have to prioritize it. And we've always prioritized our brotherhood. And for that reason, um, it's worked out fantastically well. So, 
yeah, it's just a matter of putting it above everything. And, and we always have, and we're happiest when we're living in the same house. Like the idea of us ever living separate is it's just never, because it's, it's boring. Where's the fun? Mm. You got to wake up and like wake the other guy up and just, just do some push-ups and have a laugh. That's the whole fun of the whole fun part of life. And I think that if you talk to many guys, the happiest times of their life were like in high school when they're on the football team. And I don't think that's the football. I think that's the camaraderie camaraderie of hanging around with your boys all the time. Right. So we have that lifestyle and, and we allow our women to fit into it as opposed to building these, you know, nuclear family lives with, with a chick. I think that chicks are the biggest element to it. I truly actually believe that because I, mm. I think if, if most brothers were to start hanging out long enough, all their wives would just give them too much fucking headache. That's what I think it would be. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like some of the best times I had was probably in my twenties um, with great friends and roommates. I mean, the problem is, is that at some point it seems like, you know, friends will somehow just betray you. Right. It's like, you know, there's not a lot of men out there that are good men that are good at being men that are trustworthy. And I think it's funny the way that you guys interact. I mean, I've watched a couple of your vlogs and it's like, you know, you and Tristan and your cousin and, you know, whoever else might be there. Like you genuinely, like I've always said, one of the characteristics of a, of a good man is a guy that will like make fun of you to your face, but protect you when you're not around fakes, liars, frauds are the kind of people that will, you know, just talk shit behind your back and pretend like they're your friend, you know, to your face. They never test you. They never shit talk you sort of thing. Right. I, I agree. But you know what? I'm going to say one more thing while we're on subject, because you're talking about like friends betraying and that kind of thing. I agree. But I also think a lot of that is related to women. I, I really be, believe yeah, that. I, right. think if you, I think it's true. But if you have if you have four guys and you're all friends, the chance of one of them guys fucking over his three most important people in his life is low unless he has a chick at home sucking him off. Who's like, you don't need them. You have me. And she gets in his fucking head. And she gives him some snake bullshit in his mind. So I think a lot of the time, even women are involved in that. I, I think a lot of it is just other influences. And women have the most powerful influence on the planet, bro. Women yeah. women can do magic. And they get black magic in these minds of and hearts of the men and fuck with them. And I'm telling you, it happens. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's guys that prioritize female companionship and women over a brotherhood and men and guys that have their back and like that's a test of a good guy i mean if you have a guy that has your back despite what a woman does in that environment i think that guy is somebody that you want to test further and maybe like include him more in your inner circle you know as you kind of go about life i think it'd be interesting to see how you guys like unfold as you get older like you know you're going to be a couple old guys and you're whatever you're you know, like the autumn years of your life sitting around smoking cigars <laughs> yes we are yeah, I can't bro, wait to see we are. Nothing's going to change me. And you know what? We make laughs. We, we we make jokes, and we say, even if it all went wrong, and somehow we lost everything, we'd be sitting around the Philippines with a bottle of whiskey at age seventy-one, laughing about yeah. how fun it was. We don't give a fuck. We don't. Yeah. We don't give a shit. Like, and when you're together, that also gives you a superpower. Like, even in the height of the cancellation, it was kind of funny. Uh, I, I got a few emails of support and people are like the pressure you must be under. They're out to get you. They're going to try and put you in jail. They're lying about you. Everyone hates you. Da, da, da. Me and Tristan were just sitting there laughing. We're just like, this is fuck. It was all funny to us. Like it is what it is. So uh, we're, we're, we're going to end up, we're going to be the same no, for, forever. I know we're never going to change. There's been some personal parts of your life that have been aired. Somebody was asking me to um, present the question about, I think it's Adam Sosnick is his last name, airing your personal business to the public when it came to your, I mean, yeah. do you want to talk about that? 
a bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I met Adam and I met Patrick Bet David. They were both really nice guys. They seemed nice to me. I think Adam has made an apology since. He regrets uh, saying what he said. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why he decided to say that, but uh, it is what it is. But yeah, it's starting to leak now. I think the world's starting to understand that when when the feminists, the blue-haired, angry feminists say, oh, this Andrew guy is lonely and he's going to grow up childless and all this garbage, they're, they're starting to realize that's simply not the case. It's mm -hmm. actually far from it. And, um, you know, T and I have kind of embarked on a journey, which I would say is the, the, the old fashioned way of doing things, which is to ensure that we have as much genetic legacy as, as possible. And we're very successful so far. I guess that's a nice polite way of me saying it. Um, and, and that's basically what we're doing. It's actually funny. I won't say his name because he's a really good friend of mine. And since I've been, uh, so well known. I've gone to a lot of very exclusive events and parties and met some very famous people. And I've met a guy who is exceptionally famous. Uh, I won't say who it is, but this person and every, he's a household name. Everybody would know him. He, he has, uh, uh, he's done something similar or he's on the same embarking. And he said, listen, if you get to a certain level of money and power, you realize that nothing else really matters, but your genetic legacy. And he, he's taking very elaborate steps to have children. I think he's using surrogates and he has like 65 children so far. But once, wow. once, you, can, once you can buy, but this is all secret, right? So mm -hmm. nobody, no one's going to know who I'm talking about because nobody knows what he's done. But once you can buy children for money, I mean, money is not that important compared to your genetic legacy. So you get to a point where you just think, oh, fuck it. Well, why not? I mean, Tristan have not gone to that extreme, but we have enough money to take care of a lot of baby mamas. Let's put it that way. So uh, we're doing okay. And I, and I try and protect that from the internet. I don't say too much what's going on in my life because I don't think it's that relevant and also to protect uh, all parties involved. But Adam shared a, bu a bunch of it and I, I accept his apology, but yeah, it was certainly inappropriate. Yeah, I always find it's interesting that, that people try to pry that much into it. Like because you have somewhat of a public presence, it's like, Andrew, you have to show me what your girlfriend, what your whoever looks like. Like, why aren't you showing me your... like? why because the, yeah. like there's insane people out there there's a reason why you don't share certain information publicly like there's yeah. certain parts of a man's life you want to keep private and it's and it's yeah. advantageous to you in that relationships or those relationships to keep it private people just don't seem to understand they think that just because you're there that everything has to become public and they have a right to a window into your entire life you were talking to um piers morgan about it during that interview where he yeah. was asking about, you know, if you were married and you're like, I could or, or I couldn't be like, why would I reveal that information? Can you talk about that just a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Because what these people are doing is, let's put it this way. They don't give a fuck, do they? They're not interested. They don't want to send us Christmas cards, do right. they? They don't want to fucking, they don't want to send presents on our birthdays for no. us and our girlfriends. No. no, they're looking for attack vectors. That's all they want is an attack vector. They want something they can use against you. There's no other reason they would possibly give a fuck. Yeah. So it's foolish to sit there and give it to them. They try and entice it out of you with ego attacks. Well, if you're so smart, where show me your girl? Is she even hot? All this bullshit. Listen, that is a that is a is a is a weak attempt to try and inspire your ego into making you make a bad decision. But they want attack vectors. They want you to show your weaknesses. And the truth about women is they are always going to be a weakness for a man. In, in every possible regard, like, let's take very simple examples. If, if I were to get arrested, I have no concerns, no problem. I know how to handle it. 
if a woman close to me gets arrested, the first thing in my mind is, fuck, what's she going to say? Does she know to shut up? Like, even if her heart is pure, even if she wants to protect me, she might just say the wrong shit. Mm-hmm. Women, women are easy to attack. The government will attack your woman. Your enemies will attack your woman. Like advertising to the world, your weakest point is foolishness. So yeah, you can't do that. And a lot of people who do it are going to either, they're certainly going to end up regretting it. I ask you, Richard, you can tell me, have you ever seen a dude like completely obsessed over a chick and simping over her and telling the world how great she is, who doesn't end up regretting it? Like Kim left Kanye, Tom Brady's bitch left. Like all these girls end up leaving anyway. It's like, and now you have, now reporters go, okay, we want to see if Tom Brady likes some butt stuff. Let's just call his ex up. Like, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. You're just advertising to the world attack vectors. And I don't think many men think far ahead enough to understand this. Yeah, it's a dumb argument. It's always like, well, you know, show us proof. Let's look, look, guys. These are the same guys that know that women like rich, successful, funny, competent, strong, virtuous, like men, right? It's like, who do you think's getting the girls, dummy? That's right. Yeah. If they're not, if they're not fucking somebody more successful than you, so don't, then who are they fucking? Don't worry about it, bro. And yeah, it's, it's hate never comes from above, right? But always all these trolls and yeah. clowns and all this garbage, they're always going to do it, but they're looking for attack vectors and you simply can't give it to them because the world's unhinged as well, bro. Like yes. we were talking about the fame thing earlier. One of the one things that started happening since the fame thing is that uh, people are trying very hard to work out where I am mm-hmm. and they might come with good intentions, mm-hmm. but if I'm in a hotel and I don't advertise it and someone manages to work it out and turns up at my hotel asking for me, that scares me. I don't like it at mm-hmm. all. And it happens yeah. quite often. And even my house in Romania, the country that nobody goes to, I now have armed guards at my house. I have four men with fucking AR-15s outside the gate. And still there'll be some dude from Turkey or some random kid from Amsterdam that flies himself to Romania, Mm -hmm. finds my house and turns up trying to talk to me. So it's weird. So Mm -hmm. on top of that, I'm going to say about my woman, my woman, who she is, where she works, what she does. No, that's crazy. It's dumb. Uh, I mean, I've been doing this for a while, but I never post anything on social media until I've left that area. Right. I mean, if I'm at a hotel or if I'm at a certain resort or certain area, like I never share anything unless I've left that area. And I think that's good and advice that's, for any guy out that's there. That's the way to do it. That's yeah. the way to do it. The only other thing that you have to be careful of is metadata. So right. metadata, yeah, metadata on, on pictures. So let's say mm. you're chilling in an area and you take a picture and you send it to someone and they manage to look at the metadata on that photo, which is quite easy to do. It has the exact location. So then, then they can leak your location, right? So that happened to me once or twice. This is about a year ago. So now if I want to send a photo, I take a photo and I take a screenshot of that photo and send the screenshot. Because if you send the photo itself, it has the metadata of the location building. It's is this a crazy a, world, bro. Is this a conversation that you've had to have with women? Because I mean, like women typically are like, well, why don't you share pictures on social media with us? Like you don't love me or like, what is it sort of thing? It's like, no, you don't understand, right? Like, the, yeah. like there's a reason why. Yeah, when, bro. Women will get your ass killed. Who's that rapper who just got killed? PB Rock or some shit. He got killed in LA a month yeah. ago. Yeah, that's he, right. He was, he was with a girl in a restaurant. Dinner in a restaurant, she was doing wasn't it? Stories. Yeah. Yeah. And they blasted him outside. Yeah. Bro, she's probably fucking someone else by now, and you're dead. So right. w- women will get you. W- women will get you killed fast. And you're right. And women don't like the idea of being protected and censored in that way. They're like, oh, why don't you show us, et cetera, because they want to pretend they don't know the realities of the world. Sometimes it's difficult to sit down with a woman and just explain to her, I have enemies and people don't like me. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but you're strong. What do you mean I'm strong? Sh- Listen, there are people, there are group, there are gangs armed who don't like me. Like you can't just be sitting there fucking saying where we are. Put your phone away. It's just a harsh reality of it. And uh, I know a lot of high level guys who just take their take the phone off the women. Like if I, sometimes, especially if you go to parties in, in Dubai, the second women walk in the door, all the phones are in lockers. And yeah. Women aren't allowed phones because they're just irresponsible with them. They don't think ahead. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's annoying, but it's just a harsh reality of life. Have you have you changed your delivery much since since you got canceled? You know, before versus after. Like, have you thought about that much? Like, maybe I need to revisit the way that I use these sound bites. Yes, I am more careful now than I was. Perhaps yes, that's true. My delivery has changed. I don't think I say anything less. I don't think I've sold out, but my delivery has certainly changed. Um, and also, I'm, I'm trying not to give the Matrix easy ammo against me. But also, I was fighting a PR war for a while, and I know I was fighting a PR war. So when I first got canceled, I went to my team, and I said, look, because there's there's software. I don't know exactly what it's called. I think it's called Social Mention. But there's software that analyzes uh, YouTube videos and, and Instagram posts, et cetera, and analyzes the comments, how many are positive, how many are negative, how many yeah. are for you, how many are against you. So we started running reports. And at the height of the cancellation, when all of the matrix was attacking me, it was around 50-50. 50% of people liked me. 50% of people believed I was truly bad for the world. Mm-hmm. And we decided we had to change that. Because by winning the PR war, it takes away a lot of the matrix weapons. And we've won the PR war. So now when you analyze it, it's 97% positive, only 3% negative. Mm-hmm. So I had to be a little bit more careful with what I said for a while. I had to change the delivery a little bit. Because a lot of people aren't ready for the harsh, harsh truth. But... um. Yeah, I kept it in mind. I kept in mind that things can be chopped up and used against me. But I still think I'm going to say that I still think I'm saying the same things. My message hasn't changed. And I never lied to anybody anyway. I never said anything that wasn't true. Like the things I've been attacked for at length, like saying women can't drive. They can't. I'll say it again. They can't drive. I'm sorry, women. You can't drive. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you or anyone else and pretend you fucking can because you cannot. And it's just the reality of it, right? And, And I... It's kind of funny, you know, like Manny Koshbin, me and him were talking a little bit. Yeah. And then he put up a video with, with Supercar Blondie and she, they were in the, in the trailer, they did some clickbait where she almost, it looked like she almost crashed. She probably didn't almost crash. She probably made a small mistake, Yeah. but they put up a trailer with some clickbait of her almost crashing or something. And I wrote underneath it, bro, women can't drive. What are you doing? Yeah. And, uh, he unfollowed me and stopped talking to me, got all upset about it. Well, I'm bro, what the fuck? It's fucking, why is everyone denying this harsh reality of life? Women can't drive cars. Like, I can, and, and they're going to try and they've tried to scare me into shutting up, but I yeah. refuse. I stick by the truth and I don't got to reward me for it. No, I'm with you on that hundred percent. Like, and I can prove that three ways. One, how many women do you ever see on supercar rallies? Very few. They're almost always in the passenger seat. I, I think I've been on one rally where a chick was driving. Um, take a look at any woman's car that you've ever dated. They've always got scrapes. The bumper's kind of hanging off. Like there's always dings and dents all over the car. And three Tire have, pressures are completely fucked. They're off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then Formula One drivers. How many Formula One drivers are are female? And that's not to say that women can't drive, like get from point A to point B. It's just they somehow manage to. It's not a huge priority or an interest for them to sort of, you know, compete in that realm. Otherwise, you would see them in Formula One sort of thing. They just want a car to get from place to place. And, you know, their cars will get dinged up. It's just a fact. It's just a reality of life, right? Yeah. And and this is the thing that's so crazy. We live in a world now where you can't say men are better drivers than women, but women are better at raising or more tolerant with kids than men. 
something course. fucking obvious. You yeah. can't even, even if you support women in something else, you can't say men are better at one thing. It's yeah. fucking clown world. And they're doing that because they understand that it's not about elevating women. That's not what it's about. It's about it's about Suppressing reducing men. it's about reducing men, dragging right. men down, demasculinizing men. That's what they're interested in. They don't give a fuck about raising the spirits of women. They just want men to feel like shit. Yeah. So that's why they do these things. And they sit there and say, that little girl over there, she can drive a Lambo just as good as you. And I absolutely reject that because it's a fucking fallacy. Lie. Um, what do you think of the World Cup situation? Have you been watching it? Yeah, I, I watched England get their ass kicked yesterday. Fuck Terrible you know. game. Bro, you know what? The English in me comes out around football. I know. Because the English care so much. Yeah. And we never win. Ever. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> it's fuck, It's so annoying. But, um, and especially to the French, obviously I had to beat the shit out of Luke. He's part French. I had to beat his ass. But, um, yeah, the, the, the world cup has been interesting. It's been very funny to watch the Western world try and complain at Qatar. Like we have some degree of moral high ground because Qataris don't want to pollute their culture by promoting LGBT garbage to kids. You know, they, we, we in the West think that we are the only moral people on earth. And if another culture says that you shouldn't, be promoting LGBT ideals to children on television and that football has nothing to do with gay sex. So just let it be football that we're going to somehow pretend we're morally obliged to attack their, their institutions and their religious beliefs. That's absolutely not really insane. The West has no moral high ground whatsoever. The things we do in the West are disgusting. Some under the guise of LBGT, whether it's chopping kids dicks off, or just some other things in general are disgusting, like all the wars we start and the innocent people we kill. Mm. To sit here and pretend that we, as a Western conglomerate, are the only moral people on earth is truly asinine. And I respect the Qataris for standing up what they believe in and saying, no, we don't care. I completely respect that. And obviously they're doing that under a religious belief. And I don't see why religious beliefs should be thrown out the window temporarily for sports anyway. So I completely respect what Qatar is doing with the World Cup. I think they've done a fantastic job with it. And I think the West can get the fuck over it. Why do we have to mix this fucking... I'm asking why as a rhetorical question because I already know the answer. Why do we have to mix all these fucking agendas with everything? Why does football have anything to do with the agenda of LGBTQ acceptance? And they're completely unrelated. What they're trying to do is to take anything which is remotely popular and slap this garbage on top of it. So you can't be a normal football fan now without also supporting the garbage they want you to support. The majority of football fans don't give a fuck about this shit. So they just mix the two together. It's like putting the vitamins in the Coca-Cola so you have to fucking swallow. Mm -hmm. The medicine, the poison. And it's bullshit. And they're doing it on purpose because, like we said earlier, they're trying to drag men down. They're trying to do everything they can to remove the idea of the traditionally masculine man because he's prepared to defend an ideal. They don't want any ideals defended. They want us to sit there bend over and take anything we're fucking given. So they take anything which is remotely masculine that's left, like football, where groups of men play play football and watch football and traditionally a masculine enterprise, and they take this garbage and they slap it on top. It's fucking insane. I'm glad Qatar told them to get fucked. Yeah, it's you know it's a clown world, man. I've I've said for years now the you know the pussification of the West is well on its way to uh and it's gonna continue. Um I don't see it uh you know, lightening up. They're now trying to impose these beliefs in countries where they don't accept them, which is what we saw with that recent example. Let me ask you about religion because 
I think one of the first videos that I saw of you many, many, many moons ago, probably around 2017 or something like that, when you were just getting started and using YouTube, you were talking about religion and God. Um, I can't remember the exact words, but I mean, you were talking something along the lines of like, you know, like why, like, you know, put yourself first, like, you know, is this even real sort of thing? So you sort of came off more as a like atheist or agnostic. Then you kind of went to um, Christianity, you know, with Romania. I've heard you talk about making large donations to the church sort of thing. And now you've converted to Islam. Can you explain why you've kind of shifted your mindset and your beliefs from more like non non religious to Christianity to Islam and why? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So first things first, it is a very rare occurrence. I am wrong, but I will admit it. I was wrong. I know mind bending. I was wrong. I truly didn't believe that God existed, but then it became more and more apparent to me that he must exist because Newton's third law is equal and opposite force. When he sat underneath the apple tree, he talked about the three laws of gravity and the three laws of uh, motion. And one of them was equal and opposite force. If there's a force in one direction, there must be an equal and opposite force in the opposite direction. And if you look at the world today and understand that people like Balenciaga, people who are purporting these ideals on children, people who are trying to chop everybody's dicks off, people who are trying to make you get injections you don't need. If you're looking at this and understanding that this is the work of demons, this is the work of the devil, these people are truly evil. There must be an equal and opposite force and that equal and opposite force is God. There's no other way for it to, there's no other way to explain it besides the fact there's so much evil in the world. I've seen the, enough evil and seen enough of Satan to understand that God must exist. So yes, once I understood that God must be real, I, I naturally reverted to Christianity because it's the country I live in and it's the, the third most religious country on the planet, Romania, the third most Christian country on the planet, I apologize. Vatican City is, is technically number one, the Vatican. Number two is a very small island somewhere in the Southeast Pacific. But Romania at 99.7% Christian is the third most religious, uh, Christianically religious country in the world. And I, and I had respect for, for Christianity, but truthfully, I don't think there's any other religion than Islam. And the reason for that is just simply because I believe God should be feared. And I think only the God, well, I, I think there's one God, there's maybe different interpretations, but there's only one God. But the different interpretations of, of said God, I think it should be the one that is most fearsome. God is going to be a fierce, it's going to be a feared individual. God is going to be somebody who you do not want to cross or upset. And I think that Islam describes him best. So I understood first that God must be real. And I've always had healthy respect for Islam. And it was just a matter of me going through my own personal journey to find the religion that, that was easiest for me to respect almost. Because I think that how can you worship or believe in something you don't respect? And if you look at a lot of the garbage coming out about Christian preachers now in America who are trans and Christian preachers with, with gay flags on the church and all this insanity, I think that Christianity has lost its way. So if I believe in God and Christianity has lost its way, then I've been shown the truth and the truth must be Islam. Mm. Um, raw onions. You've talked about that increasing your testosterone is that a practice yeah. that you still follow yeah i eat raw onions I, with probably every dinner i'll have some raw onion chopped up why not i know it makes my breath it's supposed to make my breath smell a little bit but that's that's the girl's problem it's not my problem so <laughs> i'll, be all right. I'll what's survive your, what's your um what's your morning routine like people like to you know get into somebody's head when it comes to their first thing they do in the day when they get up like what time do you get up and what do you typically do for the first couple hours yeah so my times are all fucked up so it depends on a lot of things for timing. Timing's all messed up. 
I am uh, one of those people who's on his phone to the second he falls asleep. And the first thing I do when I wake up is grab my phone. First thing. I know you're not supposed to do that. And you're supposed to meditate and all this fucking bullshit. I'm sure I'm supposed to do loads of things. I'm supposed to meditate and not worry about it. But let me tell you something. I have a large empire and a lot of money to make. And I wake up to problems and I need fixing. So I wake up, grab my phone. uh, I go straight in the gym. First thing I do. And I only train for like 45 minutes to an hour a day. I don't train at any commercial gyms. I always train at home or the hotel I'm in will have a gym or the house I'm in will have a gym. Mm. I go straight in the gym. I train in between sets. I'm on my phone. I'll have a coffee and a bunch of water while I'm training. And uh, when I finish, I'll sit down for another nice coffee, a proper one when I begin my work. And every day is a work day for me. And every day is basically the same. And uh, that'll be it. I'll, I'll, go, I'll tear through about 10 or 15 coffees during the day. I'm, I'm heavily caffeinated individual. And then I'll have a, I won't eat until maybe four or 5 PM at night. And that's a basic day and I get a lot done, but the empire is large and you can only delegate so much. There's a lot of people who work for me now and we're doing very amazing things. I'll, I'll take this chance to, to, to fill anyone in who's not familiar. We have uh, the hustlers university, which was part of them. That was actually attacked by the matrix. When they attacked me, we've relaunched that as the real world. That's fantastic. As 150,000 students, that's going well. There's a whole bunch of work to do with that. We have the war room, a whole bunch of work to do. We have casinos in Romania. We have property portfolios. We've even keeping 32 cars on the road. Like there's always something to do. So it's endless work. So we wake up and get things done. We don't really club it as much anymore. You notice we don't go partying nearly as much anymore. None of that kind of stuff. So it's just very long, busy work days, getting it all done, servicing our females, making sure we stay alive and fighting the matrix. But we, I start the day with exercise and primarily because I just want to get out of the way because I hate it plaguing my brain. I actually don't like training anymore. I hate it. So I have to do it early. So it's over. I just want to get it over with. And this is a life hack for people. If you start the day with something you truly hate, you, you, once it's over with, you begin your whole day in a good mood, right? Cause you're doing the shit you really don't want to do at the beginning. And then when it's over after the first hour of consciousness, you get to live the best, the rest of your day in a pretty positive new mood. So yeah, it starts with the gym. Yeah. Let's talk about cars too. Um, we've had this conversation before, maybe even talking about dedicating an entire, you know, chat over supercars and exotics and stuff like that. Cause you're one of the few guys out there. There's not many guys out there that I know that are, in th- as enthusiastic about supercars as you are i mean i've i've said whenever i've done a rally or done an off-road thing i'm like dude it's the most fun you can have with your clothes on people are like well why do you do it because it's, it's fun it's it's legitimate the most fun you can have with your clothes on driving fast cars um you're of the same mindset completely true completely and and you know what so much so much rich people shit is bu- is bullshit and it's not even fun yeah. Supercars, uh, supercars are 100% fun. And I love especially like it's summer Europe. I love going driving for 10, 11, 12 days at a time. Just getting lost country to country, staying in nice hotels. It's, I absolutely love it. It's the best. You're right. It's the best thing the money can buy. It's the best thing you can do. What's your what's your favorite supercar right now? Aside from the Bugatti, obviously, because I mean, that's like right at the top for you, right? Bro, I can't choose. I love them all. This is the exact problem. They're all good at different things. If I want to go, if I want to go around the city for an hour and just flex and play music and smoke a cigar with the roof down, I'll take the Huracan Evo. Mm. If I want to drive from Romania to Austria and I want to do it quickly and it's a nice day and I have luggage, I'll take the 812. If I want to run from the cops in the snow, I'll take the 911. If I want to, it depends what mood I'm in. It depends what's going on, right? If mm. I want to race around a track, I'll take the 765. 
it's hard for me to choose. They're all good at different things. They all have slightly different advantages and disadvantages. But I'm at the point now where I have so little time to drive them that I find myself buying them to try and satisfy my passion because I never fucking drive them. So I keep buying new ones. And now I'm actually thinking of building like a really big warehouse over here in Dubai mm-hmm. and a bit buy and build a huge like Tate warehouse center and have all 50 or 32, whatever, 32 cars I think I'm at in, in a row, all like nicely designed because I don't unfortunately get to drive as much. This summer, I want to do some epic drives. I want to drive all the Scandinavia, the top of Norway, and I'll do a bunch of fun stuff, but we'll see how it works out. But I bought a bunch more recently, and I know my addiction's getting out of control. You have to help me, Richard, because I keep fucking buying them. You have to cure me somehow. If we talk about them, I'll buy something else. But I bought a bunch. I bought like five or six more since in the last month and a half. It's ridiculous. Did I see you take delivery of a GT4 RS? GT4 RS, you know Have what? I had a chance to drive this it yet. Where I know I've lost my mind. Let me tell you how I know I've lost my mind. Okay. I'm buying two of the same car. Well, I have got two three GT4. LTs, don't you? I have yes, I have three 765 LTs. Three. Yeah. I have two GT4 RSs. I've bought two 812 competitions. The 812 Ferrari competition. I bought two. Yeah. It's stupid. It's it's out of control. So now I know I'm done because I'm setting up a life in Dubai and a life in Europe. So I'm like putting one on each house. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But um, yeah, so to, to answer the question, favorite supercar, I still think that I still think one of the best supercars is the 812. I actually think it's one of the best Why? because it can do it can do everything so well. Yeah. Like it can keep up, it can do 95% of what a McLaren can do, but it also can do 95% of what uh Aston Martin Vanquish GT could do. It really is amazing at everything. Obviously, at the absolute upper echelons, a McLaren will piss on on the track and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But in general, if you're going from place to place, you can put a bunch. You have a nice V12. You have a bunch of noise. It's fast. It's emotive. It's comfortable. You get plenty of space for your suitcase. I think it's overall probably the best car. The, the um, So I haven't driven one of those yet. And we don't have a guy in our group here that's got an 812. But we've got quite a few 992 Turbo S's. And those cars are faster than my 720 off the line. Uh, they're just as fast around in the twisties, but the 720 is a little bit faster on the highway, even though his has a tune and, you know, exhaust mods and stuff like that. But it seems like the 992-911 is like the go-to gar- car for long drives for comfort. Yeah. Do you still have your Turbo S? I have a Turbo S and yes, that's true, but I still don't think it has the, it hasn't got the luggage space an 812 has. It doesn't sound like an 812. The 812 sounds awesome. You know, it's like, I I know what you're saying. And yeah, they did really, really good with that Porsche. And I've got a bunch of Porsches now. I've got my Turbo S. I've got two GT4s. I have a GT3 RS on the way. Uh, But I don't know. I like Porsche. I can't, I like Porsches. I just, I just think Ferrari, the eight, and I don't like Ferraris. 812 is the only Ferrari I like. I don't mm. like the SF90. I don't like the 488. I don't like any of them. I they're only not very like good looking cars, are they? Like, like the new design language for Ferraris, in my opinion, they're not great. Like, I don't think they look that good. I, and, and even when I drove the SF90, there's just something about it that felt soulless. I didn't like it at all. I, That's the hybrid one, right? Yeah, the Harvard one. The only Ferrari to buy is the 812. They got the 812 so perfect, every other Ferrari pales in comparison. And you're right about the 911. I've seen really good things about them, and I know a lot of people who swear by them, but I don't know. I I, I either end up taking out the 812 most of the time or the 765, of course. I end up taking one of them out. So, um, or the, I mean, the, the Chiron's fun as well in its own way, but in some ways it's more boring than other cars. 
So it depends what I'm doing, you know? Is it like one of those things where it's just too fast where, you know, you're out with your boys and nobody else has a car? See, because, you know, for me, like I like chasing people, you know, around the twisties and, you know, see if I can like push them or close the gap sort of thing. You know what I mean, right? So it's like after a while when you get a car that's like fast enough, then nobody can keep up. You're like, well, what's the point? Like, I don't feel like I'm really pushing it. it it's it's yeah. not the same. I don't know. Like, yeah. do you ever get that vibe? I know exactly what you mean. But the, the that's part of it. But I think with the Chiron, it's actually a lot more just the uh, the headache and stress of really enjoying it, right? So if you're really, I, I drove my Chiron from Latvia down to Montenegro across all of Europe last summer. I was the first person to ever rally like that. And it was fine. I got to the end. But when you're like, have a bunch of supercars running around you or when, when taxis are trying to get a picture, so they're getting close to you, you know that a small incident is extremely, it's not even expensive. It just takes so long to fix. Like if I got a fender bender, it wouldn't be the money that scares me. It'd be the fact that it would be seven months without the car, you know, some bullshit. That'd be it. And then also, um, yeah, it is quick. It's stupid fast. It absolutely is. But even little things like stone chips, Mm-hmm. You hear a stone chip when you're driving your Bugatti, like yeah. you say, you know, parking's a headache. You can't leave it anywhere without it getting swarmed. And I don't know if you saw the video of Tristan knocking that guy out because we caught a kid sitting on it or some dude sitting on it. Did you see yeah, that? there was security camera footage. Some kids were taking photographs around the car. Some teenagers were sitting on it. Me and Tristan turned up, had to beat the shit out of them all. Yeah. So this kind of stuff happens, you know? So it's like, it, it's good. It's fun. I'm not going to complain. Obviously, I love my, I love my Bugatti and I'd, I'd argue it's probably one of the most famous cars in the world because of the color. Everyone knows it right away and they, they know who's driving it and it's all great, but I don't think it's all that fun to, to drive overall. What's the color code on that, on that Bugatti? What color is your Bugatti? <laughs> That's a really good question. I'm really sorry. I have to try and plug my laptop in. It says battery. Give me yeah, go second. ahead. Sorry. Take your time. Here, I'm going to grab some of these super chats while he's doing that. And, uh, Isaiah says, uh, gents, big left from Australia, 28 years old. What's the best advice you can have for my man heading into his 30s? I'll ask him for best advice for guys in a bit. Uh, girlfriend wants to have a threesome with another female and speaks of us starting an OnlyFans. <laughs> my gut says there will be problems in the future. Rich, I know you experienced something similar. She's also the mother of my... Oh, the mother of your kids wants to start start an OnlyFans. Okay. I don't know. Right. Let me know when you're plugged in, uh, Andrew. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. All right. What do you think of this guy's question here? Girlfriend wants to have a threesome with another female and speaks of us starting an OnlyFans. Thoughts on this? This woman also happens to be the mother of his kids. What do you think? Yeah, so in my experience, it's kind of unusual for a woman to turn up and just say, hey, let's fuck bitches. I think that's very unusual. That would be an alarm sign in my head. You know, perhaps maybe she's just really horny and she really wants to. But usually it's the man who kind of instigates those ideals or the idea. So that's kind of unusual. Um, as for starting an OnlyFans, once again, maybe she just wants money. I'm not entirely sure. But the fact she has a child, I don't know how old your child is, but I think the woman should be a bit more focused on the kid than worried about licking pussy and doing OnlyFans personally. I don't know. I find that when a woman has a child, she gets kind of preoccupied with that child. Don't you think? I don't know what, what this, this I, one of yours is thinking. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want the mother of my kids selling you know nudes of herself online. You know, Focus on being a mother and raising my children would be my take. Agreed. And also, like, you know, I'll, I'll talk about the OnlyFans thing quickly. People think it's loads of instant free money. It's not. It's like every other industry in the world. It's competitive. It's difficult. You have to work hard. You have to be uh, on time. You have to do everything day after day, consistent. It's like starting a YouTube channel. If you just start a YouTube channel, you're never going to make any money. 
You have to start a YouTube channel and outcompete all the other YouTube channels. It's hard. So a lot of girls go, oh, we'll just do OnlyFans and we can buy a Lambo. Not at all. Most 99% of girls who start OnlyFans make fucking zero. So it's even it's not even a, a, a conversation you should entertain, my friend. You're not going to make any money. I know a few guys that are right now trying to run OnlyFans and it's like, they just have headaches, man. They just have headaches dealing with the of women. Of course it's headache. It's yeah. non-stop fucking headache. You're working with women. It's a headache. It's competitive. It's difficult. There's agencies out there that are very good at it. But yeah, it's a whole bunch of work. And uh, obviously me and Tristan did well with it. But we were all we, we weren't even on OnlyFans. We were a webcam like 10 years ago. A, lot, a completely different world as well. Early but adopters too, right? Very early Before adopters, it was popular. Yeah. Completely. It's very hard. It's very Speed. Hard. Like it's you hard. talk about speed all the time, right? Like you got in before it was, you know, a lot more mainstream, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, now girls think they can just do it all themselves and they, they are doing it themselves or they'll do it behind your back or they'll just set up on another phone or some bullshit. Like when we were doing it, it was far more complicated technically wise and we could do, we could do better overall. But I just want to make it clear. Anyone who thinks that OnlyFans is instant wealth doesn't know that that's not the case at all. And most girls you see, even the hot ones, even if they're hot, if they're not talking to the guys or busy on the app or keeping their customers happy, they're not making no money. You can find a very hot girl with an OnlyFans link in her bio and she's still broke. Mm -hmm. So, um, This guy wants to know what you're doing in Azerbaijan. I'm probably pronouncing that Azerbaijan. wrong. Yeah, Azerbaijan. Yeah, I was in Azerbaijan. I had a meeting. Cannot disclose, my friend. But everybody it's a beautiful wants country. To know. Everybody beautiful wants country. to know what you're doing. Baku is a nice city. Beautiful country. Is there, a, is there a current head of state that you admire right now that you respect? Absolutely. The head of state of Dubai, the Sheikh of the United, the Sheikh of Dubai and United Arab Emirates is absolutely and utterly hands down the best leader. His, his vision is unprecedented. People think Dubai is rich because of oil. Dubai doesn't have any oil. Abu Dhabi has oil. Dubai had oil and now it's all gone. And while they had oil, they built this idea of creating a city for the world. And that's exactly what they've created. It is absolutely amazing that they have a city here, Dubai, with 200 different nationalities, 80% of the population immigrants, no crime, completely safe, rich, the best service you can find anywhere else, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, the best hospitals. I can walk down the street with a half a million dollar watch, no problems. You can leave your door unlocked, leave your car on. It's truly like a unique city. It's almost like Zion. It's escaped. It's escaped the cesspit. It's completely crazy. There is no global competition to a city like Dubai. It's forward thinking. They're constantly innovating. It's beautiful. And if you just want to live in safety with good health care and drive some cars around, have fun, nice restaurants, pretty girls, it is the place to be. Everybody respects the law and everybody respects the leadership. The leadership of Dubai walked through the mall. You'll see the king walk through the mall, just walk through the mall, drive his car. No big deal. He doesn't hide from his people like all the Western politicians. He doesn't need to hide behind guards. He's respected and loved by absolutely everybody. Guy's a complete genius. And the fact that he planned all of this and pulled it all off is, is unprecedented. It's truly incredible. So Dubai is a monarchy. I mean, you're, you're going to have to forgive me for being thick here. So it's not president. It's not prime minister. It's a monarchy. Monarchy, correct. King. Interesting. It's him and his family, and the king had this vision. And this is why monarchy is so effective, right? Because he can just say, fix that, and it gets mm -hmm. fixed. There's no bullshit parliament talking crap. Monarchies can go one of two ways. They can either go very badly or very well, depending mm -hmm. on who your king is. Right. But for the United Arab Emirates, it's worked out fantastically. It's a monarchy here, and everybody respects the king, and he's done a fucking fantastic job. So, so impressive.
Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, Dragos here says, hey, from R Romania, waiting for Andrew to come back and for Rich to come visit. Uh, there's some good driving in romania i'll give it that so you need to come come check it out bro i've seen i've seen the photographs of, of some of those passes that you've uh posted over the years and they look like some phenomenal roads yeah it's good fun. um it's really good. andrew admitted to having kids and told the actual number to aiden ross on a stream prior to adam stico conversation i have happened. never told the actual number of children i have to anybody so whoever this guy is who thinks he knows so fucking much young man <laughs> I have told different numbers on every single stream purposefully. So you don't know anything. Yeah. Uh, Mike says, top G meets top Jew. Who's who's top Jew? Yes or no? All, all seriousness, thank for teaching me to believe in myself. Please never let these idiots convince you that you're anything other than kind, loving, and generous. Who's the top Jew? I have no idea. Who's he talking about? No idea. But, you know, that's fine. Um, yeah, I really believe that life... Life is not going to be much worse for you as a person if you go through life truly believing in yourself. I don't see how life can be worse. There are people who become arrogant and deluded and they start having this unrealistic self-confidence and believing they're fantastic when they shouldn't. Yeah, those people will be paid a, will be paid a lesson. But if you're smart enough to go, you know what? I believe I can do anything. I'm going to become the most fantastic man alive and I'm going to work hard to show the world why I'm so fantastic. And if you turn up on time, firm handshake, you're honest, you don't snake anybody, you don't lie, you stick to your word, you're dependable. I feel like you, it's very easy for any man to have a very fantastic, successful life, even inside of the matrix, even with all the clown world bullshit. I think it's very doable for anybody who really wants it. It's funny that you mentioned a, a firm handshake, because that was one of the first things my dad taught me as a kid, right? Like when you shake a man's hand, grab it, firmly shake it, release. Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody recently put out some data on handshakes and women today actually have firmer handshakes than men, believe it or not. I mean, I'm not surprised. Bro, bro the Western world is finished. It's done. Have you seen this fucking bald dude who's in charge of the nuclear waste who's stolen three bags from airports? You've seen this, bro. What the fuck? This is you where we're at. It kind of reminds me. There's, there's an ancient tale, I can't remember what it is, I can't remember who, someone might remember the Super Chats, where a general uh, or a leader of an army, he promoted his horse to general. So when he'd conquer people, you had to salute to his horse, as in like respect his horse like it was above you. And if you didn't, he'd crucify you. And I feel like America's doing the same thing. Like imagine imagine being subjugated by the american army and having to salute to these transsexuals and this bald guy and all this garbage like you're having to admit these people are your superior at war it's it's like a psyop it's incredible but yeah the western world is fucking done it's finished there's a reason i've moved to the middle east it's the only place with a future the america and the western world all as a whole is finished i i i there's a there's an interesting Twitter account I follow about a guy who's in San Francisco. I'll have to find it. And every day he's just putting up videos, a pure dystopian landscape. Mm. It's incredible. It's truly incredible. Uh, we got uh, this question here for you on the girls. Uh, Tate, when you're in the early days of dating a new woman, do you care if she's sleeping with other men? Do you just assume it's happening and ask no questions? He says that he finds it repulsive. Most women in the West do it. It's, it's I mean, in my opinion, it's disgusting. But what do you think, dude? Yeah, it is disgusting. The thing is with these questions and these points is they're actually so nuanced. It's hard to explain it in a way for people to understand not act weird. But yes, if I go on, a, if I start dating a woman, she's absolutely not sleeping with any other guy under my circumstance or pretense. If I believe she is, then I'll stop talking to her completely. I will not sit there and say, you better not be. I'll just, 
I've been around. I can just tell. I can just tell if mm. she's fucking some other dude or not. I know. And I don't think that, uh, I, I mean, maybe, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you're dating. If you meet a really beautiful woman and she's dating you semi-seriously, she's probably not sleeping with anybody else. Obviously, some girls are complete hoes, but some aren't. But yeah, it should be very clear that, especially even in a dating stage, I expect a woman to be faithful to me. If I was dating a girl and she was also dating someone else, I would instantly stop talking to her because that is going to end up bad news. You you have to judge people by their habits. Yeah. It's not even about men, women. You should judge people by their habits. I was saying someone, I was saying to someone the other day, I was arguing with somebody about the promiscuity of females and why it's a bad thing. And a guy was saying, well, just because a woman slept with a bunch of men doesn't mean she wouldn't be a good wife. And I said, would you let a thief into your house? I said, would you let a thief into your house? He goes, no. I said, why? He goes, well, because they steal. I was like, so you'll judge a thief based on his previous habits, but you won't judge the woman you're going to have children with based on her previous habits. Her, her habit is sucking dick. That's her habit. So keep that in mind when you want to fucking marry her. And be, don't be surprised when she does what she's always fucking done. Like, it's, it's insanity that people are going to sit and pretend that we don't have to look at people's habits and, and judge them by them. Of course, if, if I'm a violent person, society should judge me as violent and stop me doing X things. That's normal. That's how life works. So you, you need to, to keep those kind of things in mind. Got a, got a shout out from the uh, Art of War. Dropping different numbers of kids to different people is classic, right? You know, coloring the barrel. Top G stuff. Um, we already talked about your workout. Uh, 4X, more room. Can MGTOW join the war room? Somebody's asking. Uh, what's MGTOW again? Is that the no, men, no men going their own way? I mean, it seems like most of them have been sent their own way, though. <laughs> I didn't know that was still a thing. I, as a man, you're going to need a woman. You know, as a man, you're going to need a woman. This is another thing where people say I'm a misogynist. This is bullshit. A good life as a man involves women. You're going to need a woman. You can't just be alone and, and, and be completely satisfied. You're going to need children at some point. If you get sick, you need somebody to give a shit. Women are good at that kind of stuff. You're going to need some compassion, some care. You need a hall E in your supercar. You're going to need a woman. So the idea that you can just give up on them completely is, is defeatist and it's cowardice. That's not the right attitude. The right attitude is to become competent enough in the sphere where you don't get wrecked. It's the same as anything. If you're going to go fight, if you become competent at it, you won't get your ass kicked. If you don't, you will. If you're going to go open a business, if you become competent at it, you'll make money. If you don't, you won't. If you're going to date women, become good at it. You can't just give up on it completely. It doesn't make you smarter than anyone else. In fact, quite the opposite. It makes you a dumbass. You're going to not reproduce. Your ancestors, your entire bloodline is going to fucking end here because your stupid ass couldn't work out how to not get played by a chick. Dummy. You have to. It's part of life. So, no, no MGTOWs. You sound like weirdos. No. It, it, it's been said that you can't trust a man that is that his entire existence existence is focused on getting laid, and you can't trust a man that can't get laid. Like, what do you think of that? Completely not really true. Because if somebody is starving, they'll sell you out for food. Mm. Anybody who is desperate, they're going to do anything it takes to get hold of that one thing they're desperate for. If somebody is starving, they will consider ending all their friendships for a sandwich. So if somebody's desperate for pussy, they'll consider ending all their friendships for pussy. This is why me and my network work so well. This is why me and my brother do so good. There's no one woman on earth who can stop our brotherhood or get in the way of us because we, we have enough. We have enough other choices. We're not starving in that regard. We're not desperate. So completely, if somebody is struggling for girls all the time, he's the guy who's going to try and fuck your ex. So just stay away from those kind of people. It's just bad news. It's bad energy. 
When you were a kid growing up, what did you want to be? That's a really good question. And, you know, I kind of feel like it's one of the most important questions a man should answer about himself. Because I think as a man, you get to choose who you want to be and become it. You build yourself into whatever you decide you want to be. As a woman, you're born and you're going to be either a hot one or not. And you're probably going to end up a mother and great. Okay, good. But as a man, you get to decide which avatar you want to experience life as. You get to decide if you want to be the rock star or the, the basketball player or the astronaut or the firefighter or whatever we thought we wanted to be when we were children. And it's actually a very interesting psychological and philosophical question because you can sit and analyze, okay, have I become who I wanted to be? Like, I don't know. As a kid, I don't remember saying a specific profession as much. I remember being obsessed with my, my obviously my father and Batman and chess and certain things. I didn't have a specific profession. But now that if you ask me, and I'm going to be all philosophical and self-reflecting, have I become who I wanted to be? Well, I, I like to think I'm a good representation of my father. I like to think I'm a good representation of Batman. I've got enough cars. I can fight. I've got the money. Everything's fine. So, yeah, I think I've done pretty good, but I don't think enough men analyze and think, what did I really want to be when I was growing up and did I become it? Because that's the most beautiful thing about being a man. You can be anything. You can be a, you can, there's a whole bunch of shit that's cool that I don't want to do. I don't want to go base jumping. I don't want to swim with sharks. I don't want to do any of that fucking shit, but some dudes do and they do it. There's a whole bunch, there's many different ways to be an interesting person as a man. And, uh, the fact that so many men fail to achieve at any of them is actually quite remarkable. So when I grew up, I kind of feel like I wanted to be the man I am today. I want to be financially successful. I want to be well-known, respected. I want my last name to mean something. I want to be physically intimidating. I want to be free. I want to be spontaneous because I had the means to be. And I want to be competent and capable and, and well looked up to. And I feel like I've kind of done most of those things and I'm very, very happy with my life. So Long answer, but there it is. If your closest friend, let's say Tristan wrote a book about your life, what would the title of the book be? That's a good, that's a good question. If Tristan wrote a, Tristan wrote a book about my life, <laughs> what would the title of the book be? It would probably be something sentimental, like best brother ever or something. Because me and him, like, we are only going to say good things about each other. But I'm not, but I don't think that answers the question properly. That's a good question. I'm not sure. I know what I'd like to, I know what I'd like it to be. What would you title it? I'd like it to be something like, you know, the professional mm. or uh, something, you know, badass. But yeah. I'm not sure. That's a really good question. I'm going to have to take some time to think about that. And I like to think. And it's not, it's been a while since I've had something that's made me think. So thank you. Um, when you hear the word successful, who's the first person that you think of? Yeah, that's another really good question. So a really good question. It's not anyone who's like just rich. I don't know. It's not me either. So I'm not entirely sure who it is. I mean, there's a point where success doesn't tie into money after a while. Oh, completely. Like money, money's fantastic, right? Money's great. It solves a lot of problems. But, yeah, it causes it causes a lot of problems. And also it causes problems too. Yeah, you're right. Men can make money. But money cannot make men. Mm. And this has been proven to me endless times. I've seen so many crypto guys who make a bunch of money or daddy's boys who have a bunch of money. 
but there is nothing admirable about these people. As men, they're uninteresting and they're vapious and women can smell it. I can smell it, everything. Men can make money. Money cannot make men. I really believe that money is nothing but an amplifier. It will amplify everything about you. If you're a person who is miserable and depressive all the time when you're broke and you can't find a way to smile, if you get rich, guess what? You're going to be worse. It amplifies. You're going to be one of them rich people who's fucking doing a bunch of drugs like a dummy. He kills himself. It amplifies. So if you're a dork and you get rich, you'll be a super dork like Bill Gates. SBF. If you're a big G. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're a big G and you get rich, you're going to be a mafia boss. It just amplifies who you truly are. So no, money is not is not everything. When you think of successful, I feel like it must be somebody who is winning a war. To be successful, you have to be successful against something. I believe and my worldview is very much based on polarization. There's, there's always a battle. You're fighting against something. Even if you're walking, you're fighting against gravity. It's always a fight. So if I were to sit and say, who's successful? Who's winning the biggest fights on earth right now? Elon's doing fantastically. Putin's doing a good job. There's a few people who are fighting against. Uh, have we you, lost your you video lost feed. My, you lost my video? Yeah, we lost your video feed. We still got your audio, but your video feed's tanked. That's interesting. Hit that. Hit that. Yeah, there you go. Bingo. Back. Don't know how that happened. Back. But um, Putin, perhaps Putin or Elon. One of mm. those two, I'd say. Is there... Like, if you could study with any expert in the world right now, who would that person be and what would you study with them? Bro, your questions are so good. Um, if I could this is what I do, my friend. What would I, what would I, what would I want to know? Let me think. Because it had to be, what do I find the most advantageous to myself? What would give me the biggest edge in the world to know about? Because to satisfy my curiosity would be history. I'm a massive history buff, right? But I don't think that actually helps me that much. Is there a period in history that you're really fascinated with? By World the way? War II. Really? World War II is the, I know, I've read every book. I've watched every documentary. All of it. Completely love World War II from head <laughs> to toe. I could, analyze, I could sit and discuss with a professor of World War II forever. Because I think it's, it's close enough to modern times to understand. Yeah. But it's total war. It was really interesting. So World War II, I find super interesting. But an expert on a on a particular, I'm not sure. Because even if I were to sit with an expert on AI or robotics or something, I don't think that would help me that much because I'm not going to be building robots. It's not who I am as a person. Like, I don't think I know, I'm going to do that. I'm not sure. But it would have to be in a pioneering field that's going to shape humanity while I'm still alive. And we have a few pioneering fields that are going to do that. So I'd have to... I'd have to think. Very interesting question. Again, I'm not sure. Something else to think about. What about World War II fascinates you? Because that's because that's something that I've spent a lot of time consuming. Con like even when I was a kid, when I was like nine, ten years old, I was building plastic models of Spitfires, Hurricanes, mosquitoes, Lancasters. Did you ever do that? Yeah, I my I was actually in. Um, I, my dad and my family were based in Berlin when the Berlin Wall fell. Okay. So I remember it. I must have only been two or three. Mm -hmm. But I remember the Berlin Wall falling. We had a big brick from the Berlin Wall. That probably be worth some money now. Mm -hmm. I don't fuck knows where it's gone. We mm -hmm. had a big piece of it because we were in Berlin as the wall fell. And my dad went to the wall as it was collapsing and got a brick. I remember. And I remember asking what the wall was about. And he explained all East, West Germany, blah, blah, blah. And, and it all came back to the war. 
But I, I found that super interesting because a lot of it, the psychology behind it was interesting. The psychology of the PSYOP and it shows that humanity not changed very much. Like everyone likes to believe they wouldn't have been a Nazi and they would have rejected Hitler, but then they put their mask on on command and it shows that uh, <laughs> no one's learned anything at all. So um, yeah, the psychology of it is very interesting and, and just all the different theaters of war and the fact that people were trying to live normal lives as all of this is going on around them, just ultra fascinating. Let me ask you this question. I can put you back in a time machine to World War II and you can have dinner with any of the Axis or Allied leaders. Who would you have dinner with and why? Churchill, I would have, I would have a Churchill, yeah. Hmm. I, Stalin, I can imagine. The thing is, I can imagine the characters of the others. I can, I, I can imagine the characters of all of them pretty well, but I think Churchill will be the most interesting. Stalin, I can imagine as just cold, calculated, and just very typically Russian. Stalin was was insane, technically. Did you hear what happened to his son? Uh, vaguely, I think he. I think one of his sons he put into a home or something. He he was he was mentally Even challenged. Worse. So when his when his wife and when his wife and daughter died. Stalin said, any love I had for the human race have, has died along with them. And after that, he became exceptionally cold-hearted. And his son was captured by the Nazis. And they sent an uh, exchange offer for his son, who I think was a lieutenant, for one of their field marshals, uh, saying that we're going to torture your son to death unless you swap him for this field marshal. Mm -hmm. And Stalin replied, I would never swap a lieutenant for a field marshal. Mm. and let his son get tortured to death and i thought bro that's when you've really lost all compassion when you allow your son to get tortured to death because of his military rank incredible yeah it's a, it's it's a fascinating time in history like hitler mussolini like all of these all of these leaders like they were all deranged to some degree man it was like and yeah. and they mobilized an entire country to follow them so it's no surprising that you know recent last few years we you know we mobilize pe people to follow the scandemic, you know, stand in your dots, wear your mask, take your jabs. Yeah. You know, sheeple. Um, what's the most, Truly what's the most exciting thing you've ever done? It's another good question. Most exciting thing I've ever done. Nothing to do well, with exciting. Yeah. No, exciting and scary are linked, right? Exciting and scary yeah. are pretty close together. So it's kind of almost going to be like the most scary thing I've ever done. And, I think a lot of that, a lot of that will come down to fighting or some of the bad stories I've had where I've been in very unlucky situations, but I didn't do them on purpose. Um, but fighting perhaps would, would be up there with some of the most exciting things I've ever done. But I, I think exciting and excitement is something you can find within yourself. I think you can think yourself excited if you decide to be. The human mind is a massively misunderstood and underused chemical factory. That's all it is. It's the reason you feel happy. It's the reason you feel sad. It's the reason you feel excited. It's only chemicals in your brain. And I think if you try and take conscious control of your mind and force yourself to feel what you want, when you want, you can truly start to feel emotions on command. I can get excited over a cup of coffee if I decide to be. I can sit down and get excited and be like, Ooh, it's cold outside. Whoa, look at this coffee's coming. Like I can think, I can think, I can think it into existence. So, um, I think fighting is probably one of the most exciting things I've ever done at, at world level, but yeah. absolutely. I like to try and, and have a little bit of excitement inside of every single day. And, uh, I, I also think that, I mean, I don't know about you. I'll, 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 you can please chip in on this one, but 
I think driving is quite meditative. I think that's what's so good about it is that you only feel excitement and you don't think that much. You have a bit of music on, you feel a bit of excitement and your mind's kind of empty when you're driving really fast. You don't, you're not worried about work. You're not worried mm -hmm. about anything else. It kind of clears your mind. So I think driving is a, a nice pure way to feel excitement as well. I don't know what you think about the, the mind clearing aspect. That would, that would definitely be the most exciting things that I've done was something to do with driving fast and the police being involved and probably <laughs> trying to outrun them. Um, there's, there's no, like you feel alive then you're like, oh man, this is like, let's yeah. like, it's on. Right. Um, I'm not saying that I've done it anywhere, but maybe, maybe not. Of course. We'll see. Of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, speaking of exchanges, um, what do you think of the Brittany Renner swap for this uh, Lord of War that the U.S. just uh, gave up? Like, apparently this movie, Lord of War, is like based on this guy that they convicted. And now they've swapped for a stoner basketball player, you know, with Russia. Right. Like, what do you think of that swap? Bro, I think anybody who is a heterosexual male with light skin inside of any government agency of the USA should resign immediately. If you're a soldier, if you're a spy, if you're a white, straight, straight white male who works for the American government, quit because they don't give a fuck about you. Do you know what the worst thing about it is? There's an American Marine who's been accused of spying. What's his name? Paul Whelan. I think, look his name up, who's in a Russian jail right now. They haven't swapped the Lord of War for the American spy. No, they swapped the Lord of War for a basketball player and they left this spy to raw. Do you find it, Whelan? Found it, a uh, Canadian-born security director from the US. Correct. Yeah. They left him to rot in a gulag. Do you know why? Wow. Because he is a straight white male. If you're a straight white man, they will leave you to die. They don't give a shit. You know why? Because you don't fit the narrative. Affirmative action now applies to prisoner swaps. They're going to allow... It's crazy to me that you're going to swap the, war to, the Lord of War for someone who is so strategically unimportant just because she is of color and she's gay. If that was a white, straight woman, nobody would care. It's purely just to tick boxes for this insane culture of constant attack on white people they say that minorities are under attack it's absolutely the opposite i'm mixed race i'm half black half white i've had more racism towards me for looking or acting or being white than i've ever had for being slightly brown completely not even close it's insane and even the russian news said this the russian news there's a russian news clip which is on my twitter feed right now that shows the russian news laughing saying that the only reason they wanted Brittany is because she is homosexual or gay or whatever you call it. Uh, uh, she's lesbian and she's of color. If you're a white straight man, they leave you to raw. Imagine being that spy. Imagine how he feels. He's been in there for fucking five years. Since, yeah, since and he's sitting there. They didn't, bro, and they just left him. They left him because he likes pussy. Bro, they just left him. Fucking unbelievable. Incredible. This is where we're at, man. I mean, if you guys aren't looking, like, you know, if you're not unplugging and seeing the code in the matrix, I don't know what you're doing right now. Completely, completely. So this is my point. If you're a white, straight soldier or spy, why are you working for this government? They will just leave you to fucking die. We should get all, what, this Britney, this Britney chick better fucking learn how to spy and go back to Russia. She better go do something useful. Unbelievable. What are three things you believe that you need to be happy in this world today? I don't think that men 
should ever consider how happy they are. I think that for a man, the paradigm of analyzing yourself based on your mood is an incorrect way to approach life. I don't think it makes it you feminine? competitive. I, think, I just don't think it makes you competitive. I feel like as a, as a man, life is ultra competitive and you're constantly competing against other men, whether you realize it or not. The girl you want, other men want. If you get her, it's a competition. The dollar you want, other men want. If you get it, it's a competition. The status you want, other men want. If you get it, you won the competition. Man, life as a man is hyper competitive and you need to build a mindset that allows you to compete at the highest echelons and the highest levels. And in my experience, the people who compete at the highest levels are not people who have any concern or care for how they feel on the day. You are a man with duties. You're a man with responsibilities. You must perform. You have things you must do. And you must do them regardless of how you feel. Whether you feel happy or you feel sad, you must still train. So considering it's not going to affect your actions, why even take it into consideration at all? Why does it matter? I don't look at myself and go, how do I be happy? I look at myself and go, how do I succeed and do everything I want to do and become competent and be successful? That's what I'm worried about, achieving my goals daily. Happiness is a byproduct. It's a side piece. But if you're going to wake up and go, I want to be happy. Well, yeah, to a degree, it's feminine. It's also very childish because only women and children are so obsessed with happiness. But it doesn't make you competitive because if you're concerned with being happy, that means you're only going to perform when you feel like it. That means you can't outcompete the men who perform every day regardless. And that's why as a man, you need to be building a mindset that makes you as competitive as possible. And I think that considering happiness as a concept, as an ideal, as an idea in and of itself is a bad, is a bad idea. I think it's a mistake. So I don't even, it doesn't even cross my mind if I'm happy. It doesn't even cross my mind. I've got shit to do. As you've gotten older, what's become more important and less important? Oh, good question. Health has become more important, obviously. Mm. So even stupid things like uh, the amount of booze I used to drink, I'm starting to think, you know what? I mean, I still look fantastic. I'm still really low body fat. I'm still very disciplined. But you start to think, okay, yeah, I can do this in my 30s. Can I booze like this in my 40s and my 50s? Probably not. It's going to kill me. So you start to think about that a little bit more. Um, but besides that, I feel like I've already had my other priorities pretty much in a row. I love my friends. I love my family. I'm, I'm very small circle, but we're ultra close. I think that's important. And just making sure you leave a good mark on the world if possible and that you're a positive force for good and for God. And I think I think that's it. I have to ask you this question because a friend of mine uh, wanted me to pose this because his 14-year-old son's watching this right now. So let's say your son comes to you. He's 14. He says, Dad, what's the best piece of advice you can give me right now? Yeah, it's a really good question. I would say that the best advice I feel like I even now still internalize, you can put a religious spin on it. So I will, there's different ways to analyze it. You can say God, you can say ancestors, you can say whatever. I feel like you should just always act like you're being watched by people you really respect and love. And it doesn't matter if it's in the gym, they're watching you to see how hard you train or in that job interview, they're watching you to see how you perform see how confident you can be, uh, watch you put your suit on, make sure your tie's straight. I feel like you need to have a sense of duty to people who existed before you or who have given up their lives so you exist. And you need to try very hard to make sure your last name means something important. So the, the best advice I can give is just keep in mind there's a whole bunch of people who love you, who are looking out for you, who really care about you and who have done a lot for you to exist as a person. 
And you owe them a lot of things and you owe them your absolute best in all realms. You owe them to try your hardest and to not disappoint them. And you don't get the, the luxury of just existing and sitting around playing video games and being happy, being sad, eating food, whatever. All of that's by the by. You have a big debt to pay to your family, to your ancestors, to God, and you have to try very hard. And keep that in mind and let that motivate you to be your best self. And I, I think that's the best advice you can give a, a teenage boy in the world today. Here, I got a few of these over here too. Uh, any advice on a cold email outreach for short form video video editing? This is This is a hot area right now. I get a lot of these emails every day. I've sent 200 emails with a 70% open rate, but scheduled zero meetings. Should I test more before switching strategy, copy, or offer? What do you think? Bro, I don't know what you're selling. I don't know who you're emailing. Maybe maybe you're trying to sell them crap. Maybe they don't want it. Don't know. It's difficult. I do think, though, a lot of, I think the internet marketing as a whole is kind of changing. I feel like people want to interact more with individuals and their brand before they do business with them. Like I understand like someone will do business with me or rich. They know us, they watch us, they see us. If you're just a nameless dude sending emails, I think it's gonna get harder and harder to get any kind of business. I think the world's changing a little bit. You need to find a way to attract people to you if possible. So uh, keep that in mind. That's what I would say. I'll chime in on this one too, because I've, because I've done this recently. It's like, look, I get a lot of emails every day for guys going, Hey, uh, I edit shorts. Um, whatever there's these three things i can do to fix like it's some standard bullshit i've seen it hundreds of thousands of times now it's like if you want to get my attention send me an edited short do a fantastic job just drop it in my email and say here i've i've gifted this for you if you like it let me know and we'll talk about doing you know some some edits together sort of thing i'll look at something like that but if you're the random guy that has like alpha wolf 420 in his fucking email something like at gmail.com dude come on yeah. And, and I think also people underestimate how busy business owners are. Like, I'm so ridiculously busy. If you can't get my attention in 2.1 seconds, it, you, that's it. Time's up. So you're right. Send an edit. Send something real. Don't just send me, hey, my name is and I am interested in. Bye. Don't. You have to think what's in it for me, for us. Like, you know, if you want my attention, if you want Andrew's attention, you have to start with value. Like I am going, like I am solving a problem for you. Right. Sort of thing. Because like you said, I mean, dude's even busier than I am and I have no time for this shit. Um, top G, are you invested in real estate? Do you recommend getting into it all? What what should you use the bank's money credit? If you, it's kind of a general question. I'll right? answer this. But before, okay. I, before I answer this, what do you think about real estate, Richard? Because like you're living in Canada, a Western country. I've just been through this whole personally, bullshit. Personally, I've unloaded most of my real estate here with the exception of my principal residence and I've converted it to digital assets because I don't like Canada. Like I'm like I'm on, I'm on my way out. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Right. That's the only, that's the one problem with real estate is you have to truly believe in it's tied to the government. Rich just nailed it with he doesn't like Canada. You have to love the country and the government if you're going to have real estate there. You have to keep that in mind. The only real estate I now own is in the Middle East, in Oman and Saudi Arabia, et cetera, because I don't believe their governments are ever going to attack me for talking bad about LGBTQ. I don't think that's going to happen in Saudi. So it's fine. But um, you have to, it's not about the real estate. It's about the government the real estate's under, because if you don't like the government, you'll soon learn you don't own the real estate. And as for banks, credit, et cetera, I can't answer that. It depends on the country. So, you know, yeah. it's all very different in lots of different countries. But I would say just be very sure of where you buy that you want to have a tie to that country for a very long time. And because it's illiquid, it's difficult. And like Richard just said, with digital assets, 
digital assets are much easier. Even simple things. It's not even got to be crypto. Like I've spent a lot of money on old fashioned things, domain names. I've spent loads of money on money.com and shopping.com. And you, you can own these things, right? And you can take it with you anywhere around the world. It'll always be valuable. You can sell it easier and quicker than you can sell a house, et cetera. So there's, there's a lot of inventive ways to park money. Yeah. Um, this guy's got a good question. Uh, hey guys, thanks for helping me unplug. Do you have any advice for a guy that just found out his best friend of 25 years is banging his ex? I don't care about the chick. I just don't think I can forgive the disrespect. Yeah, I have some advice to you. Take the warning from God. There. Guy's obviously a snake. He obviously values pussy more than he values your friendship. That means either he ain't getting enough pussy, you shouldn't have been hanging around with him in the first place, or you've not been a very good friend for him to give a shit about. The universe is not going to be kind to you when it gives you a lesson. It's going to make it difficult. It's going to shove it right in your face. And you can either accept it or you can sit there and try and deny it. What's your options now? Stay friends with this dude? You're going to hang around with him when he stinks of your fucking ex? No. So you have to stop talking to him. She's gone. He's gone. Move on to greener pastures. That's life. Then you're going to take the lesson and learn from it. But I, I will say one more thing. It's kind of, I will, I will also say this. This is something else I want people to understand me because it's not completely true. It's a nuanced point. This is not with 100% success, but in general, of course, there are scumbags who would always do the deceitful thing. But in general, I feel like if someone steals from you, sometimes they steal from you because they feel like you'd steal from them. So there's obviously the odd dickhead who would just steal from you regardless. But in general, sometimes people do it because they can see you doing it to them. I feel like the fact that this dude's banging your ex, he's probably doing it because he's analyzed your character as a man and thought, well, he'd probably bang my ex because that's just might be the vibe you give off. Birds of a feather flock together. Does that make sense? Snakes roll with snakes. G's roll with G's. I don't know exactly your position and I'm not saying this applies to everybody, but if you're a man of upstanding moral character and all your friends know you're the kind of guy who would never do that, they'd be a lot less likely to do that too. The easiest way to get good friends is to be a good friend and to be a good person. So perhaps there's also something for you to learn about yourself, a little bit of self-reflection here, but good. You no, no longer have to talk to either of them. Congratulations. Replace both and don't fuck up. Yeah, we talked about this earlier. I mean, like the guy that's going to throw you under the bus and betray you is a guy that is obsessed with getting laid and the guy that can't get laid. Probably the reason why he's banging your ex is because he didn't have any other options, right? Completely, completely. And this is why you have to be careful. This is why I don't do business with broke people. Mm. I don't do business with broke people because poor people will rob you for fucking hundred grand. It's life-changing. Yeah. Rich people can't be bothered with the headache of you calling them over the money. They'd rather just give you the money. Rich people are like, oh, here's the money. I, I don't need the headache, right? So don't do business with broke people. Don't have food around starving people. Don't have pussy around people who can't get laid. It's very simple. It's human nature. No, it's genuinely good advice. Definitely stay away from people that don't have money when it comes to business deals, transactions, partnerships. Like I've done a lot over the last 30, 40 years of, of, of dealing with entrepreneurs and going. And it's always that that one guy that's got this big idea with some bullshit and he fucks you over. And, and like, you know, you look back on it, it's like, you know, he screwed over a lot of other guys and he never really had anything to begin with. He was a fraud. Um, got a guy asking about Mecca. Have you visited yet since you've converted? Nope, not yet. Planning it, looking forward to it. And I'm since I've converted, I've I've kind of been asked a lot of questions like um 
a lot of uh, very detailed questions about Islam. I'm new to it like everybody else. I'm a, I'm, on a, I'm a student on a journey like everybody else is. I've always had a lot of respect for Islam and spoke about it respectfully, but I'm in the right place right now and I'm learning. And uh, there is one God. And it's actually amazing how in, in a lot of people think that Islam and Christianity are so so different. They're really not that different. In, in we, Jesus is mentioned more in the Quran than he's mentioned in the Bible. And they're both from the same part of the world. Christianity is from Palestine, Israel, uh, obviously Islam is from the Middle East as well. So they're, they're very similar. It's just different interpretations and I'm enjoying the journey and looking forward to it, but it is a person, it is a personal thing. I didn't do it to become an Islamic scholar as such. I just did it because I find it as the true representation for God. I think that God should be feared. And, uh, I, I feel happy being part of a religion I respect. Have you, have you been criticized by anybody in Islam for your conversion? So it's actually funny. It's a really good question. When you officially convert, your previous sins are wiped away. So everything I did pre-conversion shouldn't technically be raised. There are, there have been some like feminist female Muslims in the West who have tried to criticize and say some things, etc. But they've been pretty hastily shut down. But there's the odd, you know, casual female Muslim and in Vancouver somewhere who's saying bad things, but she's not even truly respected inside the Islamic faith herself. So, but not really. It, and it's truly beautiful. The one thing I will say that's beautiful about Islam is it really is a, it is a brotherhood. It's a genuine brotherhood. And, and you talk about the cure to racism, it's Islam. Like I'll, I'll go, I was with Tam Khan, a good friend of mine who owns a big MMA gym here. Hamzat's here and Khabib are here and they're all Dagestani. They're Muslim and we have black Muslims and we have Middle Eastern Muslims and we have me and we have white Muslims and, that, and we're all brothers in Islam. It's, it's truly a brotherhood that you instantly feel. And it truly exists beyond creed, beyond race, beyond country. It is truly a unique, interesting thing that that that's absolutely real about it. The, the penetration of Western toxic feminism into Islam like is happening, you know, like they're trying to penetrate it. They're trying to modify it. What's your view on that? Like, how's that going so far? They are trying and and it's it's tempting, right? Obviously, it's very tempting for young people, especially in Western countries, to stray from God. And we all know it's very tempting. But I still believe that Islam as a whole is beautiful because of its intolerance. It's intolerant to certain ideas and it will always be intolerant to those ideas. And it's very, very difficult to penetrate. It's surely the last belief system which they are struggling to infiltrate and affect. They've definitely not managed to manipulate it, warp it, and, and turn it on its head like they have with Christianity. And intolerance is not can also be beautiful just like tolerance can. And this is what people don't understand. It's the intolerance of something that shows you have true moral fiber. If you're tolerant of everything, then you don't stand for anything and you don't believe in anything. And you must be intolerant of some things to show you have quality as a person. You must stand up and fight for certain things you believe in. And that's always going to be to a degree intolerance. So it's a degree of intolerance, which I absolutely not leave respect about Islam. It makes it hard to penetrate. And it's true, bro. I, I can, I'm, I'm right now in, in United Arab Emirates. I could walk outside and find a construction worker who makes $200 a month. And I could offer him a brand new Ferrari if he insults the prophet. He won't do it. He would not denounce God for any amount of money that I could offer him right now. He would rather work for $200 a month in the scorching desert for the rest of his life. And they have that true belief. And that's what's missing in all other religions. Hmm. Uh, David here's got a question too. Andrew, do you think it's fine for the 
average man, early thirties to long-term relationship, a woman who has, who's 30 for kids in the West, uh, where do average men find women for children working to better myself by getting older, uh, and don't want to be 45 when starting a family. I'm, I'm assuming this guy lives in the West. So what's your advice for a guy living in the West that wants to have a family? He's early thirties right now. Sure. I'll tell you what to do. Get a little bit of money, get on a plane, fly to South America, find a girlfriend, have a child, fly back to America. When she says she wants to move to America, say no. Work, go visit, be a family man when you can be a family man. Do not face the fear of divorce rate. Keep your freedom, live your good life, have your genetic progeny and be fine without worrying about losing the house, getting destroyed financially and paying all your money away in child support. You can go to South America. You can go to parts of Northern Africa. You can go to Asia. You can go to Thailand. Go over there and have your family and protect yourself. That's what you should do if you don't want to move. Because anything else is going to end up with you financially decimated or desperate in a sexless marriage. That's the unfortunate reality of the Western world. It's shit. So you have to decide to have your children somewhere else. I'm absolutely deadly serious. Go on to Cambodia. Have three kids with three women. And there's your children. Send them 100 bucks a month each. Work in America. And visit Cambodia three times a year. There's your children. Enjoy. I just look, guys. I mean, you know how many times I've had this question over the years? Like, how do you have how do you have women safely in the West, Rich? I mean, you've talked about this. Like, yeah, you don't. Like, you know, you structure your life in such a way where you minimize or eliminate the risk as much as possible. And guess what? That's going to require work. That's going to mean you're going to have to make certain changes, which are not what you're doing right now. And that's work. It's, you know, just what it is. Yeah, because there's no there, no prenup can save you. Nothing can save yeah. you in the West. If she turns on you, she'll fucking wreck you. And that's what's going to happen. And you, uh, one thing I will say about children and the idea of fatherhood, the idea that you need to be a second mother is absolutely or not really false. I have never changed a diaper. Me and Tristan between us have more children than they believe if I said. And I, we've never changed a diaper. We've never got up in the night. None of that crap. We, we, are, we are men. We pay the bills. We provide. We protect. We're an influence for discipline and for stories and, we're, and for heroism and inspiration. We're not second mothers. I'll tell you right now, you could have your kids in Cambodia, see them two or three times a year, and they'd be completely head over heels in love with you. You could voice, you could call them. Yeah, you'd miss them a little bit, but that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go away, make a bunch of money, miss your kids, come home to a happy household. The woman would be happy to see you. The kids would be happy to see you. And then you can leave again. That is better than being home seven nights a week, depressed, miserable, sexless, arguing with your fucking wife. Guarantee it. So you're asking, how do you have family? You do it outside of the states because they will wreck you there's no doubt about it it's built to destroy you and if you're trusting them to not do it that's asinine you've had a lot i've got people in the chat here asking about this this kid aiden and a few other you know the younger like twitch streamers and this like you've had a lot of interactions with these guys mm -hmm. since you you know, since you blew up on the internet, it seems like that's yeah. the main demo. Like, I think my demographic is a little bit older than you, probably because I'm like 15 years older than you. But like a lot of these kids with Twitch streams and YouTube channels with like fairly large audiences, you know, you've connected with. Um, what are they missing in life? Like, what is it that they're doing? Everything. Hmm? Everything. Everything. You know, the, the modern, the new generation, Richard, is fucked, bro. It's, it's incredible. Uh, let me ask you a question. Before the internet, did you ever know a 20-year-old self-made millionaire? No. No. These kids aren't supposed to have this much money. They're dumbasses. They're children. Before the internet, the idea that you could become a self-made millionaire at 21 was absolutely impossible. You, no one would even take you seriously in a business meeting. It couldn't yeah. be done. 
but now it can be done. So you're giving all these kids money and clout and attention. What, what do you think they're doing with it? Dumb shit, gambling, drugs, buying girls presents, hanging around with hoes, stupid shit. They're, they're literally lost. Their souls are lost. Their hearts and minds are lost. They don't have any experience. What did we say earlier that money amplifies? We're amplifying children. Mm-hmm. What do you think they're going to do with it? Children's shit. They're fucking clowns, all of them. Every single person I've ever spoken to on Twitch, without exception, is a fucking clown. None of them are serious people. They don't take themselves seriously. They don't take their income seriously. They don't, they're not even smart enough to sit and go, I'm making all this money at 21. Let me really buckle down for a few years and set myself up for life. No, they're too busy fucking, oops, I'm late. Oops, I was drunk yesterday. Cancel stream. Oops, oops. They are children. Total dummies, all of them. Have you seen any of them adopt any of the advice or any of the teachings that you've provided? I have faith in Aiden. He's the only one I have some faith left in. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying hard with Aiden to show him that if I was his age with his kind of money, I would be so far ahead than I already am. Like I couldn't even afford to fucking eat. The guy should at least be in shape. Get a personal trainer and get a dietitian. You have all the money in the world. Why are you out of shape? It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to instill something in him because if I can make him transform his life because of his popularity, it will genuinely inspire millions of children. So I am trying and I am trying with a philanthropic goal, with a good heart. I have some faith in Aiden, but the rest of them are completely lost. They're they're popular. So you might have to correct me here because I don't watch their shit, but they're popular because they Twitch stream themselves playing like Fortnite or they're just shit talking each other online. Is that... Is that where they got their popularity from? Yeah, I don't completely understand it either. There's a degree of luck in who blows up and who doesn't. And um, obviously, sometimes there's some luck involved or I don't know, sometimes some big event happens to one of them and he kind of blows up. But what's they end up being the background noise for children. So the kids who sit on the Internet all day sit on the Internet all day with these streams in the background and kind of semi watch them with their semi barely semi cognitive brains just ingesting the garbage while they play video games and talk shit barely sentient individuals on both sides of the screen it's a very remarkable insight into how fucked the world is it's truly everyone on twitch is a loser everyone on twitch is a loser and and there's full-grown men on there as well and i've spoken to them and they're losers all of them yeah there was some 40 or 50 year old guy who was the oldest Fortnite player that you had a a back and forth dialogue the the guy with the purple hair i think he was in an airport when you were talking to him that guy, yeah, like, yeah, like this is who lost, you're with. lost yeah. people, bro. Just lost individuals, and it's not, it's not me hating on the platform because I mean, it's a video hosting platform, right? Yeah. It's just hating on the idea of people sitting and consuming for ten hours a day, some other person talking shit and wasting time. It's all a big, it's all pretty detrimental to Western society. I'm going to try my very best with Aiden. He's the one I believe in most, and I hope I can get something out. Yeah, there was a tweet uh, about a week ago. Zuby put it out, I think. He said something along the lines of, you know, like instead of spending hours and days and weeks leveling your character up online in a fucking video game, you know, in your level 99 warrior with armor, whatever the fuck it is that they do, why not like level yourself up to level one in real life, right? Like basic fundamental things, right? But they're not doing stuff like that. It's, it's, you know, there's some people that can make a lot of money with these online esports. There's no doubt about it, but it's not the same thing as competing in real life and like f- like forcing your body and your mind through hardships in real life. Sitting here and doing this is it's not even close. 
Completely true. And also the the worst thing about it is, is that let's say you were to go out in real life and try your very best to become good at something and you were to fail, you'd at least become stronger, faster, better than you were. So it's not a complete failure. Whereas if you try and become world level at this video game, if you don't become top three in the world, the top three that get paid, let's say you're number four, you have learned nothing. You've wasted years. You're not any faster, any stronger, nothing at all. If you would have tried to make a basketball team, even if you didn't do it, you would have still gained some real world attributes. And that's what's so scary about this video game world. For every one kid who makes it, there's a million kids who just wasted all his fucking life. And yeah, it's incredible. What do you see young men obsessing over that they really have no business spending that much time on? That's a waste of their time and their productivity and their and their lives. Yeah, I think that, I mean, consuming content in a whole is is kind of part of it. You have to be very careful and create the things you listen to. Like, obviously, this podcast has value and the people listening are doing the right thing. But there's a whole bunch of kids who are just consuming constant shit. Like, we're talking about Twitch and the garbage. It's it's difficult out there for young people. I think it's extremely distracting world. We have the biggest companies in the world with the most advanced AI and tech in the world designed to keep you distracted and addicted to screens watching shit that is no good for you. So it's hard. And and yeah, the kids are glued to social media and glued to their screens and obsessed with all this crap. And of course they are because it's designed to be obsessive and they have to make sure they're taking it in a way that's good for them. Inside of my school, the real world, we actually have an entire course on regaining attention and focus because we notice that anyone below the age 25 can't focus on anything. If you were to say, here's how you make money, go. They'd try, but after 10 minutes, because it's not flashing colors and dopamine, they can't, they can't do it. They can't read anything. They can't focus on anything. They're just addicted to TikTok screens and just new video, new video, new video, new video. So like people have lost their minds in real time. They've lost their ability to focus on anything. So we actually have to teach that again to the younger people. It's truly crazy. It's absolutely insane. At, at what age would you let your sons and daughters have screens like phones or an iPad or something like that? Good question, bro. Because you know what as well? I'm going to say something here. It's going to blow people's minds, but it's fucking true. Women are terrible at raising kids. They're, they're, they have the patience for it. They're patient. So they're good at, with the screaming. They're good with that. But they are terrible with discipline, with basic rules. If a three-year-old is around his dad or three-year-old is around me, no crying, no crying, no crying. Okay, no crying. Good, sit. I'm hungry. Then go get some food. I'm not going to get it for you. Go get, go make them go do it themselves. Learn. The woman's like, oh, okay, you want food? Here, you want this? Here, you want a screen? Here, who? Here, oh, he's crying. Give him this. They're just constantly babying. I know it's a baby, but they're babying the child so much. If... If, if I had a child, I don't have any. Let me keep the number down to zero for this one. If, let's say, but if I had a child and they were to say, oh, I want, I'm, and they're crying. And the mom said, give him the iPad. I say, no. Oh, but he's crying. Let him cry. Guess what happens? As, as, he ain't going to die. Let him cry until he realizes that crying doesn't work. It's amazing that children can learn around one parent that crying doesn't work. And around one parent, that crying that completely works. I have, I've seen kids be around their father and never cry and around their mother cry nonstop because they, they're not stupid. They know what works. Doesn't work with me. You can sit there in silence here, play with a fucking toy. Give, have them that. Give them a little truck to play with. Done. 
I wouldn't give my kids screens at all, but the mothers give them screens because the mothers are, can't handle the child fucking crying. The mothers, the mothers are completely bullied by the kids. The kids run the moms. The kids run the mothers like bosses. It's crazy. Have you seen the, this like phenomenon where you go out to restaurants and like the family will sit down and then they sit a screen down in front of the child with headphones and then you know the kids just sit in there watching some bullshit on the screen? I don't know if that happens where you live, but it but that really bothers me. Like there's a few times where I've wanted to get up and say something, but it's like you know I just bite my tongue. I'm like you know what it's not you know it's not your place. Just let them let them do what they're gonna do. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, this is the problem. Most parents don't realize they don't even raise their children anymore. The Matrix raises their kids. Right. The Matrix raises their kids because their kids spend all day at school and then all the rest of the time on screens digesting shit that you don't even know what it is and you can't control. Mm -hmm. So all of the ideas inside of the child's mind is no longer the ideas of the parents. The parents can no longer influence their own children. So now what are you going to do? This means that if the school or the matrix or the entertainment systems or YouTube decide something's true, they'll pump it in your kid's brain until your kid believes it's true. You're going to end up arguing with your own child about ideas because your child's going to say, but they told me that at school and they told me that on YouTube. You're wrong. You're old. You don't understand. Your own kids are not going to think like you because you're allowing the matrix to raise them. It's insanity. But the people who will do that at a dinner table are such fucking dummies. They don't even see these things. They don't think beyond the... The, the, the convenience, they can't see the bigger picture. They're not perspicacious. So they're slaves who are raising the next generation of slaves to be owned by the matrix and controlled. And yeah, you're right. It's a shame, but there's always going to be kings and peasants and peons. It's always been the way of the world. These people are just slave-minded losers. So that's, what can you do about it? But my children certainly won't be that way. They're going to be sitting at the table paying attention to their fucking dad. They want to know something. They can listen to me. I know everything about everything. I'll be telling them exactly how the world fucking works. And I'm going to be watching some bullshit on YouTube. I'll tell them. But these people, they don't think. And, and that's why that kid's probably watching some video about why you should hate us. Right. Probably hates you and me. Yeah. <laughs> probably thinks we're just watching it. <laughs> Bald men bad. Um, wh what is the difference in the way that you raise that? Sorry. Let's say you have sons and daughters. What is the difference between the way that you would raise your sons and your daughters? Is there a difference between the way that you would treat daughters from sons? Yes, there is. Explain. And my daughter, if I had daughters, I would just want them to be happy. I'd be a lot less strict in some ways. If they want to put on butterfly wings and run around and be a butterfly, good. Be a butterfly. Does it make you happy? Does it make your mom smile? Are you having a good time? Good. Happiness is important for women. I actually think that happiness is a very feminine thing. Like we said earlier, it's feminine for men to be obsessed with happiness. So by extension, women should be happy. I think that happy women are attractive. I like the, the women I hang around with. I like happy women. I don't like miserable women. I like happiness around me. I think happiness is a nice thing. So for my daughters, I would just want them to be happy. Whereas for my son, it would be a much more difficult, more stringent, more disciplined experience. They would have a much more disciplined, regimented life. If my daughter wanted something, I'd give it to her. If my son wanted something, I'd tell him to go get it. That's it. So, I'd make him do things. So let me pose a somewhat difficult question to you. Let's say your daughter's in grade seven and she says, Dad, all the other girls have iPhones. I want an iPhone. Yeah. All the other yeah. girls have Snapchat. I want Snapchat. How do you handle that? Yeah, good question. So it's difficult because also you have to understand and know which battles you can win and which battles you can't win, right? They're eventually going to end up on screens. 
I, I'd like to think that I'd be quite sensible about it and say, okay, why do you want it? Oh yeah, because these girls have it. Da-da. Say, okay, well, I'll give you one, but you're different, right? You're not like all these other girls. You're you're my girl and we're special and we're really smart. You're smart, aren't you? Yeah, I'm smart. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a screen, but what I want is I want you to tell me each day what you did on it. And I want you to tell me one thing you saw that's good and one thing you saw that's bad. I'd give her some kind of reporting to do to me. I'd make her feel like she was special and unique for it. And I would try and encourage her to think beyond the just the bullshit matrix slave programming that everyone else is thinking and try and make her do something constructive with it. If, if, if I really believed I couldn't keep a phone from her. So that's, that's what I'd try and do something like that. But it's difficult. You know, it's hard. It's hard now because I can't think of, I can't think of how a 10 year old mind will view the internet and it be anything other than horrifying. So I think when children are consuming content, it's all kind of scary. So it's, yeah, it's difficult. It's a very slippery slope, man, because when I was a kid, I mean, I I really didn't listen to my parents anyway, because, you know, you think you know everything as a teenager. And my source of influence was like magazines, like skateboard magazines, probably rock magazines, um, music influences and perhaps friends. You know, that was it. But now today it's like kids still don't really listen to their parents because kids still think they know everything. And then they go and get all this new information from the Matrix screens, apps. You know, the TikToks, the Snapchats, you know, whatever's being fed through them through social media, flags, whatever gets crammed down their throat through school. You have to accept this and be more inclusive with that. So it's a slippery slope, man. It's, you know, I think that if you're going to raise kids, you want to you want to have them as influenced as possible from your beliefs. You know, bounce probability like like more often than not, like 51 percent of the time you want them consuming your beliefs rather than their beliefs. And that's and that's difficult to do in today's world. Right. Super difficult. And because if you don't program your kids, society will. And if you look what society's trying to do, it's it's all bad. Probably another argument to have them in Cambodia, eh? Fixes yeah. a lot of problems. I actually know a few guys that have families in Cuba. Um, you know, Cuba for the longest time did not let Americans travel to. And I know a few guys that like traveled down there certainly like, on, on business and they ended up having, you know, families down there. So they have a family back here and they have a family down there, sort of thing, and they just sort of send money and take care of it. They'll visit once a year, they have a house. And it's like, you know, it's, they don't have access to much information down there. Yeah. Nice. There you go. Problem solved. Yeah. It's a Canadian thing, I guess. Um, what should, what do you say to a guy that has been a failure into his early thirties? No one respects him. He's ready to change. Is it too late? Where does he begin money? Question mark. A lot of guys in that space, man, you know, 30 year old guys that haven't accomplished much with their life yet. And they're realizing, Hey, if I accomplish something, maybe I can be like this person. Yeah, well, I, I think if you're really ready to change, you wouldn't need to ask us that question. Yeah. I think you'd be able to know. A lot of people ask questions and they use ignorance to hide laziness. So because they're too lazy to change, they'll sit and pretend they don't know what to do. So they'll say, well, what should I do here? Right. Because they feel like, well, I am trying. I'm just not sure. Bro, you know, getting rich is a good idea. You know, trying hard is a good idea. You know, getting in better shape is a good idea. You know, improving your network is a good idea. You know what to do. You're not, you're not stupid. I like to think you just don't, you haven't done it yet for 30 years for some reason, and you still don't want to start. So you're asking us what you should do. If you're a winner, if God's mission and God's destiny for you, for you is for you to win, then you know exactly what to do. If you're sitting here and you have no clue how to improve yourself and your life, then guess what, my friend, God never wanted you to win. God wanted you to stay at the bottom. There's hierarchies in life. God has favorites. Perhaps he wanted to leave you at the bottom to be laughed at and mocked. Perhaps you're going to be the example for everybody else to look at and say, I don't want to end up like that guy. He's a fucking loser. 
But if you're not that guy, then you should know what to do. You don't need to ask me questions. Go do it. It's look, I mean, like the vast majority of guys today, they're not even in shape. So if you can start out with just being in shape, you're ahead of 70% of the population, especially if you live in the West, right? Get six pack abs, start with something simple. If you can control your body, then once you can prove that you can control your body and what it looks like, you can definitely control your mind. 100%. My friend, um, I've taken up a considerable time uh, of your evening. I appreciate your, you know, this conversation, everything that's, uh, you know, come out of it. You're, you're it's been a long time, man. Need to catch up. It's been a while. We need to do some more. We need to do one in person as well. I'm, one in person. I'm, I'm more than happy to do that, my friend, and we'll make it happen. Um, stay on for a bit after we wrap up to sort of chop it up, but where can people yeah. find you? Why should they find you? Um, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so cobratake.com is my website. Everything is on there. If you're looking to make money, we teach how to make money online in the real world. You can find it on cobratake.com. Also, we have the war room, which is our network. If you're looking for a strong network of, of gentlemen who understand exactly how the world works and looking to escape the matrix, you can join the war room at cobratake.com. One more thing I want to say here to people. It's kind of amazing to me that people will sit and watch a broadcast in which ideas are shared that they understand and resonate with them and they believe could truly improve their lives, but then they don't want more of that information for free. I have an email list, which is completely free. I send an email every day discussing the ideas and topics we've discussed in this podcast. You can sign up at cobratake.com and it is free for everybody. If you're going to sit and watch these podcasts and like what is said and not continue your journey of discovery and knowledge by signing up to a completely free email list, then you deserve the slavery the matrix is thrusting upon you. So if you're smart enough at least to understand that this is just the beginning on many topics and there's lots more to talk about, there's a free email list on coverdate.com. Yeah, just to sort of add to that, guys, if you're not following my content, subscribe, uh, pinned in the top comment. There's a lot of useful links, uh, including... If you want to get the free chapter of my book, The Unplugged Alpha, uh, the 20 red flag chapter will help you, you know, sort through the wheat and the chaff when it comes to women and stuff like that. But have a look at those pinned comments. Follow Andrew, um, you know, give him your support. And um, my friend, um, I wish you the best going into the new year. Uh, You know, you, Tristan, and the families that you don't have, of course. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much, brother. I appreciate that. Hang around for a minute, man. I want to talk to you. Sure. All right.